The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of NBA Today Hoopball presentation. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to follow Hoopball, hoop-ball.com online. Hoopball tweets on Twitter. We're uh, sparing the lengthy introduction day because I got Justin Matching back on at Justin Match 26. We had a two-hour extravaganza yesterday. Uh, talking about the Eastern Conference, so of course today we got to hit that Western Conference up. And if it's anything like it was uh, yesterday, time is of the essence. So I'm gonna ask Justin, how you doing, man? How how was how was the start of the week for you? You know, man, it's good. Like we were saying, you know, we got we got NBA basketball tomorrow. It'll be probably today when this goes up. So absolutely thrilled for that, and uh, ready to get a couple more hours of of season previews in. I know, and this is, I mean, I'm a, it's a good thing we hoop, hoop lifers, because uh, there's some craziness right here in terms of how much content and stuff we got to do, and just the thinking of it, but anyway, yeah, yeah. let's get started, um, we'll hit, we'll, we'll break down, let's break down Dallas Mavericks and what we feel about them, uh, they had an interesting offseason, they made a couple trades, acquired James Johnson um, from uh, through Minnesota from OKC, Josh Richardson from Philadelphia. They drafted Josh Green 18th, Tyrell Terry 31st, and Tyler Bay 36th. Um, they signed, I mean, their major guy was Wessel Wundu, but Freddie Gillespie got was undrafted. Nate Hinton's on a two-way undrafted, and Devontae Patterson also. Um, as far as who was, uh, re- who left this team, J.J. Barea, he got, uh, like, one final one-year deal and then was released. Seth Curry was traded to Philadelphia, DeLon Wright to Detroit, Justin Jackson to OKC, Antonio's Cleveland, uh, free agent Mikel Good, uh, Mike, M- Michael Kigilchrist is to New York, uh, Josh Reese, a free agent, Dakota Mathias uh, went to Philadelphia. And so ultimately, the guys who stayed, Jalen Brunson, Trey Burke, Willie Cauley-Stein, Luka Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba, Boban Marjanovic, Kristaps Porzingis, and Dwight Powell. So that is the entire offseason in like a minute and a half. I'm going to throw it to you, Justin. Uh, any thoughts, I guess, that stand out first? However you want to tackle this on the Dallas Mavericks. Well, I think overall, I think the Dallas Mavericks had a very good offseason. Um, again, this wasn't a team that made any you know huge moves, but I liked their draft picks. I thought that Josh Green was a very good pick for them. I like Josh Green, uh, just you know a, a bigger kind of two two three wing, um, you know can shoot the ball a little bit. So that was a, a nice you know pickup in the mid to late first round. I thought uh, Tyrell Terry too um, to get him in the second round. That was kind of past where a lot of people had him projected and you know thoughts are kind of overall up and down on him you know but uh, someone who I, I believe will be able to score the ball can shoot obviously very very well um so overall I thought they did a good job in the draft you know Tyler Bay whoever else you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and preach about Tyler Bay I really don't know that much about him <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah overall I think like those are two guys who I am a fan of, I think, that both of them will end up being, you know, contributors to this team at some point, Josh Green a little bit sooner than Tyrell Terry. But, um, yeah, like, just, just getting another wing in there I thought was, you know, always a good idea. Um, you look at some of the other moves that this team made. The addition of um, James Johnson, 
is an interesting yeah. one to me. Because, you know, a lot of it was made, you know, last year in the playoffs, you know, playing against the Clippers, um, you know, people, when Marcus Morris was doing his Marcus Morris things, and, you know, I I won't speculate on what Marcus Morris is trying to do. I'll let people make their own opinions. I'm sure everybody here has, uh, yeah, you know, watched or seen on Twitter know. or whatever what Marcus Morris was doing with Luka. But anyway, you know, what people had kind of said was that the Mavericks really didn't have one of those guys who's like, you know, really going to, like, be what James Johnson is going to be for this team with someone like people aren't going to mess with James, but James Johnson, you know, people aren't going to mess with James Johnson's teammates because James Johnson's not going to be afraid to throw a punch back at you. And that's something that they kind of needed this offseason. is just kind of one of those, you know, rugged, hard nosed, you know, bigger guys. So I think that was, I mean, obviously he's a little bit overpaid, but it's on an expiring deal. So, you know, that's not going to hurt you. He's making $16 million this year. It can be a potential trade, trade chip. I, if something becomes available there. So, overall, I, I do – we talked about James Johnson on the Timberwolves podcast. Just an interesting player, you know, more of a power forward, I would say, at this point, but just kind of a do-it-all guy at that spot, you know, runs the floor pretty well, Can you know, has a decent handle on the ball, has a little bit of playmaking juice, just an overall just kind of – I referred to him as just almost just like a curveball, if, if you could make an NBA curveball player. Like, he just, <laughs> he, just he brings a little bit of just – he brings a different, you know, skill set to the court that you don't see too often. He just kind of mixes things up. So, again, you know, in that kind of 3-4 role, I think he's going to be really, really good for them. Um, and they really kind of have a crowded position there. You look at, obviously, Kristaps Porzingis and health is going to be an issue. But you have Kristaps, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, Maxi Kleba, Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Boban, uh, Mike Powell. Yeah. Like they got a lot of guys there, so they're they're going to be really really deep with their big man rotation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. They have a lot of guys that can play there. So um, yeah, Josh Josh James Johnson. I was looking at Josh Green's name and it kind of threw me off. But James Johnson is definitely a piece that I like. And the other one, you know, Wesley Wandu, kind of an underrated move, but I thought that was a really 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 good deal too. Like he was one of the Magic's. You know, without Jonathan Isaac there, one of the better perimeter defenders. Mm-hmm. He was an under, or he was a restricted free agent for them, and he signed basically a two-year, not even four million dollar deal with with the Mavericks. Like I'm not sure what went into the thought process there for the Magic, but this was a guy I would have tried to keep again. Just wing depth, you know, brings a defensive presence, you know, behind behind Luca, behind other guys, so. That was another one that I just I, – I was a huge fan of that move, you know, getting him for, for two years. Um, essentially, a minimum contract, I think, is a steal. You know, I mean, he's still, you know, fairly young. So – and, and what his game is, you know, you shouldn't really expect him much of a drop-off. I mean, he, he is what he is as a shooter. It's nothing special. But he's just going to be, you know, another defensive-minded wing. And then getting Josh Richardson as well. Um, I believe, do they get a, a second-round pick in that deal along with Josh? I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you know, picking up an asset is never a bad thing. Um, losing Seth Curry, you know, hurts your shooting a little bit. But I think, you know, they have enough outside shooting and, oh, I guess it's outside shot creation with Luka. And you still have a guy like Tim Hardaway. And, Chris, again, you hope that Chris Alps can be in the starting lineup. So there's still enough shooting on this team. Josh Richardson, it's not like he's a terrible shooter. He's just not the best in the world. He's not as good as Seth Curry, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think – 
you, you, again, you just look at kind of defensive-minded wings, bigger guys who can handle the ball. You know, I mean, Josh Richardson's a little bit like Luka in that way, where he kind of can play one, two, three, and you, you're happy if he's at any of those positions. He can score the ball a little bit. Again, he's not what Luka is, but no. just another guy who, you know, brings some versatility, and he just didn't really fit in well with Philadelphia. Um, you know, that the, the, the spacing was just so terrible there, and there were other guys that needed the ball in their hands, you know, specifically Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid, Tobias, and that just was not a good situation for Josh Richardson, but I think he should definitely have a bounce back year this year. Um, they got him, you know, he's at $10.8 million this year. Um, if he plays well, I don't know if he's, we'll have to see what he does with that player option, but they might have him next year at 11.6 as well. So, yeah, I, I was a fan of this move. I was a fan of really pretty much all of their moves. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all of them were pretty smart signings, like you mentioned. James Johnson, not only what he brings is like a jack-of-all-trades uh, basketball-wise, but the intangibles uh, in terms of you know leadership and maybe being an enforcer um, that maybe won't show up on the box score. Uh, one thing I was uh, a huge fan of was the signing of Trey Burke, that three-year, $9.4 million mm-hmm, deal. Cool. I think they're going to get – yeah, they're going to get great value on that. Burke is someone who I've liked uh, in his last couple iterations, uh, maybe not so much with Utah, but definitely with the Knicks and um, – in Philly a little bit, is it's like offensive spark plug, and especially in Dallas, where you know that Rick Carlisle has worked magic with these small ball, with these small point, with these small like combo scoring guards. I mean, you had JJ Barea um, back in the day, you had Roddy Bois. Uh, now you have someone in Trey Burke who can play that kind of role, scoring off the bench, uh, additional playmaking in a pinch. Yeah, you have to hide him a little defensively, but you get a lot of pop on the offensive end. And in a system like Dallas, he'll be utilized to you know maximum effectiveness. So. I'm really high on that as one. I think he came with a great – he was a great fit in Dallas. He helped them win uh, uh, definitely a big part of their wins in the playoffs against the Clippers. And, you know, having him around, still a relatively younger player. I mean, you know, more in his – approaching his prime, but not going to kill you in that way. I, I just think he's really solid. We've seen – again, I can even go down the list. Raymond Felton, Devin Harris, other guys who have had success in yeah, this kind of yeah. hybrid role. And now I just see uh, Trey Burke as a – will uh, just a, a first better a natural score than those guys in the past, but someone who will fit especially well uh, off of Luka Doncic. So. Just looking at how they got Trey Burke, I mean, he was re- he was one of the, I believe, the replacement players. Like, yeah. I think it was Billy Collis-Dine didn't go to the bubble, so that allowed them to sign him. True, like, yeah. And what incredible value. For real, I, I he, he showed out. He was, yeah. He was waived by the Sixers um, at the trade, or like just around the trade deadline, I think. That mm-hmm. was... A, a move that they made when they that was with like when they brought in Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson from Golden State, I believe, because they yeah. brought in two guys. They had to waive someone, and uh, they decided to keep Howell Neto over Trey Burke, which Shush. ended up spiting him in the end because it was really funny. oh completely. You um, said it. Burke out Trey Burke all was, of them. Yeah, Trey Burke was balling out in the first round with with Dallas. You know, dropping twenty point games. You know, meanwhile. Philadelphia is out here getting swept in the first round. So that <laughs> yeah. was just kind of fun to watch, you know, just another one of those moves that backfired for Philadelphia next year. But then, yeah, like you said, re-signing him to a, a three-year deal with a player option in the last year, um, that's that's not a big deal, you know. It's His player option is for $3.3 million. So even if this guy doesn't, you know, keep up that production, like you're taking a, a $3 million cap hit essentially. Like it's not a big deal. And you have him for cheap the next two years. So – Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really just a, a fantastic move by them. And again, yeah, like you said. And um, looking at just one other thing with this roster, um, they yeah. did waive Jose Barea. 
or just, yeah. I called him Jose Abreu, but JJ I know, Abreu. you used the whole name. I was like, what? No, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> they called, they, they, they waved JJ Barea and, um, kept his, kept his contract guaranteed. And he was basically, you know, Hey, we don't have a roster spot for you, but we're looking out for our guys. So we're, we're still going to pay you for this year. So that was a really, you know, just kind of a classy move by the organization class. just, you know, looking out for their guys. So for sure, good for on the sure. Mavericks for doing that as well. They take care of their guys. I mean, they brought back Devin yeah. Harris for a tour of duty. You know, they, they do right by their guys. That's something that, you know, obviously gets some respect with vets, especially later in their careers. Guys who are still valuable as role players who remember mm-hmm. that type of thing. And also guys who stuck around with Dallas from the beginning. So I'm right there with you. That's a nice little final touch to, to end on with Dallas. But I guess even before ending with Dallas, where do you see them this year? I'm looking like a solid uh, fourth, fifth seed. Maybe side of the six, or a lot of it depending on the health of Kristaps uh, Porzingis. But I think this team is strong enough that it, they can survive without him. They're obviously way better with him. But in terms of being able to go by with stretches and still maintain um, a good level of competitiveness, just on the strength of Luka Doncic and improved uh, supporting cast. Yeah, I see them kind of being anywhere from that three to six range. Um, I think if, if everything breaks right, Luka Doncic could you know very well be the MVP this season. Um, I'm not going to say that he's my prediction. I, nope. I still think if I'm going to if I'm going to guess, I'm still going to say it, to be honest. I just don't see you know anybody topping Giannis's production, and I get that voter fatigue is a wow. thing in that might case, but I'm still going to stick with Giannis for the season. Do did, did you disagree with that? Who's your guy? I mean, I, no, no, I, I I get you. I agree. Voter fatigue is a thing, especially when you have Anthony Davis in this league. So I mean, <laughs> that's who I'm rolling I think with. Anthony Davis is going to get. Well, we'll we'll get. Yes. to we'll get to, we'll get to that. Anywhere. Yes. We'll get to them. We'll get I, to I think later. it's his time to shine. But no, I agree, especially if he's right. playing like this. Right. But no, I get you. I mean, here's the thing. Voter fatigue is a thing, but if you're the, and I, I hate that this happened with LeBron back in the day. If you're the best player, you're the most valuable, and you've shown that year after year, okay, you get tired of voting for somebody. I get it. Unfortunately, he's still the best player, so you vote for him. You know what I mean? So I'm right there with you. I can respect it. I I, I don't think uh, Giannis has shown. I I have been the guy to lobby for the fact they should fundamentally redo how the MVP is done. Give a regular season award. Give a postseason award. LeBron won the postseason every year because he's obviously the most valuable there. In the regular season, you could throw between you know Giannis and Steph and all these other guys who are really important for a team and their success overall. But I would hard pressed to value as the most valuable period. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah, a ball. It's, just, it's, it's very much. Yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, that's why you got people disparaging Russell Westbrook's MVP season when it's like, Hey, like if you look at the season statistically, yeah, you had Kawhi, you had LeBron. Actually, I'm not even going to go on that horse, but the point being, he um, yeah, he wasn't the best player in the league that season. He just put on the best performance. There you go. So then you need to re fundamentally re uh, jigger kind of how you have that award. So that's my issue on it. Um, with that being said, Giannis has a good chance anyway. I don't think you could say that in a room and go, okay, no. You know what I mean? Like he definitely yeah. can do that. Um, I just have a money with Anthony Davis, and a lot of that is I'm buying into the storyline hype too, even though Luca's already getting the praise. And it's like, let's not do this. Let's, let's have at least a couple of games. I don't want to hear MVP bef- uh, outside of predictions before we actually have the ball rolled out, you know? But, but yeah, no, I get yeah. exactly where you're coming from. I'm with you on that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, don't I think. Huh? Yeah, I was going to say, with this team, so much of it's just going to come down to can Chris Stoutsports and just stay healthy? Because if they're without him, and it's basically all on Luka at that point, I do think that they, you know, could struggle a little bit at times. And I think Luka obviously is going to be able to keep him afloat. This team is still a playoff team without Chris Stoutsports and I believe. But um, 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, with, with, with Porzingis' health, it'll be interesting to see how Dwight Powell comes back. He's coming off an Achilles tear. Um, he should be playing at least on the season. I, I don't, I don't, is he going to be ready opening night? I'm not sure. Oh yeah. He uh-huh. actually played some in the preseason already too. Did he? Okay. Yeah. I have He's looked it. okay. No, I know he's, he's looked, uh, actually kind of decent, uh, for someone that, uh, you know, athletically as a rim rolling guy, it wasn't, it wasn't really bad. And I think the extra time off helped him a little bit. So he's good. He'll right. be good to go. Yeah. And so hopefully he is because he still has pretty much three years, 30 million or yeah, oh, 30 million contract. Um, that was a little bit of a question mark when they signed it in the first place, but it doesn't look nearly as good now, um, you know, just after this injury. So we'll, we'll see if he becomes something. If not, again, that's that, that's kind of going to be a bummer for them. But, yeah, health health is going to determine this team's, you know, outcome. And more so than other teams, it is kind of a serious issue. But if things break right, this could be a very, very, very good team. No, oh, very much so. I completely agree with you on that. Yep. Well, let's go on next to Denver. I mean, we do uh, classic Justin Corbin fashion. We got a soft 15 minutes in on Dallas here. Um, so let's go to Denver now. Um, draft pick wise, I mean, they're off season. Eh, I mean, let's just do it. Uh, they drafted, uh, and I might butcher this, Zeke uh, Najee, 22nd overall. Zeke Najee, R- yep. Oh, okay, great. Uh, RJ Hampton, 24th uh, from free agency. Uh, Facundo Campazzo from Real Madrid. Uh, Jermichael Green from the Clippers, Isaiah Hartenstein from the Rockets, uh, Marcus Howard undrafted two-way, uh, Greg Whittington undrafted two-way. And then who they lost? Mason Plumlee went to Detroit. We already talked about that in the Detroit section on our last show. Oh, my God. Tyler Cook, uh, Minnesota. Torrey Craig, that was surprising to me. He went to Milwaukee. Troy Daniels just was let go or just went separate ways. Jeremy Grant, another guy that's Detroit-bound. Noah Vonley, who went to Chicago but unfortunately has COVID-19, is not in the league. Uh, and then Kata Bates-Diop, who went to San Antonio, who stayed on the roster. You got Will Barton, Bobo, Vlatko Kankar, P.J. Dozier, Dozier, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. So we have some interesting moves that were made. Obviously, you lose two uh, guys that were helpful in your front court. Uh, one guy who was a lot longer uh, standing than the other. Well, actually, two in Torrey Craig. Um, and I guess you could throw in Mason Plumlee as well. But I think losing Jeremy Grant was probably one of their bigger losses. What do you think about that, Justin, as a starting point? I think it was definitely one of their bigger losses. And, you know, it kind of hurts if you're a Nuggets fan or if you're in the Nuggets front office or if you're, you know, any anybody who is associated with the Nuggets because you offered him the same amount of money that Detroit offered him. And he basically just said, you know what, no. I don't want to be here. I want to be in Detroit where I can have a bigger role, which I don't really understand. Um, you know, you, you have the chance to be a part of something seriously special here. Um, you, you know, you can win. It's not like he's on, you know, a one year, two year deal. Like he has some security, but he decided he wanted to try and expand his role and we'll, we'll see how that works. I don't think it's going to go well. Um, I think Jeremy Grant's a very good player at what he does but he's not a star. He's not a primary creator. So, you know, it's good for him. He got his money, but you know, it could have been here. So that, that's gotta be really frustrating if you're with the Nuggets, you know, and he bolts on you. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the Mason Plumley loss, like yes, Mason Plumley, you know, soaked up minutes for them at that center spot, but it's Mason Plumley. Like you're, <laughs> you're going to play without him. You just, True. and like, so many of so much of Mason Plumlee's minutes, it seems like, came with Nikola Jokic on the floor anyway. Like they they staggered those two, or not staggered, but played them together a lot. 
And you want to look at a guy like Jermichael Green, who they brought in. I think that's a much better fit next to Jokic um, on defense, at least. Um, you know, he can guard power forwards a little bit better than – not that Mason Plumlee is – Mason Plumlee is actually fine there. He's not the worst in the world at that. But, you know, Jermichael's a much, much better shooter. Um, you know, getting him for pretty much the mid-level was, I think, a really, really good move. Um, you know, that's another loss that's going to hurt the Clippers. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Jermichael Green, I thought, was a very good pickup. Obviously, they're bringing Paul Millsap back. Um, a lot of it was made of, you know, the, the step back that Paul Millsap seemed to have taken. I still think he's going to be fine. Like, they got him for another year, $10 million. That's maybe a little bit more than he would have gotten from another team. But overall, it's it's a fair deal. I think Paul Millsap is still valuable. And I think, you know, even for, you know, kind of looked like he lost a step in the play in the bubble, he looked mm-hmm. good. In the second round against you know, the Clippers, he looked. Uh-huh. He had a very good series, and I thought he played fine against the Lakers as well. Um, I still think he can, you know, provide some interior defense. He can still shoot the ball a little bit, and he's he's just a vet on the team that you know is is going to be valuable there too, especially being around the organization for a while. So uh, I was a fan of that move as well. No, I mean, I, I get you on that. I, I do think the rumors of, of Millsap's uh, decline have been uh, greatly exaggerated as well. So I I, I will give that. Um, yeah, losing. And I agree with you as well. Losing Mason Plumlee, like, oh, my God, Mason Plumlee, what a loss. Like, he's a very – he's a solid player. I'm not going to say very solid. He's a, he's a very solid player. okay – he's about the most okay player in the league. Exactly. If I asked for the vanilla ice cream of NBA players, uh, I might get – They'd ask you, do you want Mason Plumlee or Mo Harkless? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I take my pick of sadness there. But with that being said, yeah, Jeremy Grant, I think his defensive versatility is something. Um, offensively, you know, he wasn't a, a player that is anywhere near like a Will Barton or a um, Michael Porter Jr., even though he's going to Detroit to prove that he somehow is. But with that being said, I do think that defensive versatility is lost on both, um, either for Barton just for being undersized in 29 or for Michael Porter Jr., who, for all his gifts, uh, they have not shown themselves on the defensive end. And I don't think that you replace that uh, at all. Like, you still have enough strong, small forward play, but that person is not there. Uh, And so I do think there's a weakness there. Ultimately, I think the one thing I'm watching when I look at Denver's offseason, or or really just their season as a preview, is what is going to happen between that starting three-ball spot. Like... Is it Porter Jr.? Is it Barton? Both have made it very clear that they want a spot. Um, I think Barton's been a lot more demonstrative about it than Porter Jr. has. Say, it, seems, it seems like it's Mo Barton, isn't it? I mean, based off what he said. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't seem like he's saying – I mean, it's crazy to say this, but, like, Porter Jr. has been much more diplomatic about the whole thing. <laughs> that is kind of a thing, isn't it? But, yeah, um, it yeah, is. Will Barton funny. come out and basically said, like, yeah, I'm not coming off the bench. Like, I, don't, I'm, I haven't even considered that. Like, no, I'm not doing that. Which, obviously, you don't love. Like, you don't want this guy to say that. And especially, like, I don't... Like, and, I, and I get that when Gary Harris is starting, he can take the tougher assignment on defense. But, like, I, I feel like Gary Harris is more the three when those two are starting together than Will Barton. Like, you know, it's always been, you know, Will Barton will start at small forward. Like, dude's just not really a small forward. He's more of a two-guard. You know, he plays like exactly. a two-guard. I don't know. That's Slasher really, kind of guy with that. some gimpy knees. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter that much. But, yeah. Like I, said, I think, you know, obviously losing Jeremy Grant and uh, Torrey Craig, who we can get to in a minute, will hurt this team on defense. But I, I think even, you know, for the absence and just, you know, the complete disappearing act of 
Gary Harris's you know offensive game. The guy is still a very, very good perimeter defender on ball and off. Like that, that's still something that's going to provide tremendous value for this team, especially now when they've lost a couple of defenders. So, yeah, and there's, there's been a lot of talk of you know of, of Denver trading for a guy. You know, like I'll just throw out the name James Harden. Obviously, if you can you can swing a trade for James Harden, it's probably worth it anyway. But you know, and, and it's because Gary Harris is making the money. He's making 19.6 million dollars this year. But Gary Harris is always the guy that is involved in trade talks. Like, and I get that he's been injured some and that his, his offensive game has really fallen off, but they're really going to need him on defense. Like, this year, you look down their roster, they don't have a whole lot of perimeter defense. I think that they are really, really going to need him this year. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's someone that, that I think his skills, especially for what you said, Denver needs are going to be coming through more so than any other. I mean, it's it's a hand in glove fit for what Denver ultimately has to have to climb up out of that potential three spot that they seem stuck in for the last couple of years, third best team in the conference. You know, and until they uh, that 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 that's like an area weakness for them that we've all identified. That and I would say um consistency. Yeah, and, and if you're going to talk about consistency, I think the guy you kind of look at there yep. is. Uh, you already know who I'm going to say before yes, I even sir. say it. Jamal Murray, <laughs> yep. um, who exploded like we've never seen him explode before in the playoffs. Um, I am a believer in that performance. I don't think he's going to be coming out and dropping 50 like it's nothing during the regular season. But mm-hmm. I think that that version of Jamal Murray, Murray, Murray is here to stay. Like again, not the supernova version, but like I think Jamal Murray has arrived. I think he's going to prove that he's a max player this year, you know, that he deserves the contract that he's on, which is a nice big contract. He's making, you know, 27 million, 29, 31, 33, and 36. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of money, but I think he's going to prove that he is, he, he is worth the max deal that he signed this year. I really think he's going to be, you know, the bubble wasn't a fluke for him. I think he's really going to come through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. This would be the breakout year that we'd all expect because he had all together, like the guy, I mean, he has ways where he literally is not only just the best player on, on, on his team, but the best player on the floor, period. If he can string together a season like that, get his first All-Star season, that would be amazing, not only for his personal development, but for just that tandem solidifying himself with Nikola Jokic. Because right now, Jokic is the guy, and Murray's the guy by proxy. You know what I mean? Like, he has to be because he's the next most talented player, you know, next to Jokic. But there's, like, several degrees of separation. Um, and it, it, it narrowed and was even on par you know, during this season. So I am definitely hoping, or during this postseason, rather. So I'm definitely hoping that when you you say it, you talk about consistency, uh, you're looking at Murray. He's kind of the litmus test for all of that in terms of how it's going to come together. And I think it's going to be really important to monitor how that happens. That's what, I, what I'm looking at, how the small forward rotation shakes out. Uh, these are things that are going to keep me uh, on the Nuggets. But ultimately, just to kind of transition out of out of the Nuggets, I think that they're going to oh, We're going to transition out of the Nuggets? Without, well, you, we didn't I, even get to talk about Facundo Campazzo. Oh my gosh! You know what? We're gonna give. Well, let's give him some love because I didn't even give you the chance to fully uh, spread about. Um, well, I guess fully share my thoughts on Tory Craig, who you know, I, I, I is my thing. Just Cliff Notes version of the dude was thirty. Offensively, you know, he's um, okay. You know, he's a decent finisher. Uh, his three point shot definitely came and went. I liked he was a lot more confident with it last season in terms of at least taking it. Uh, he's still the record scratch guy on the court, and honestly, I don't know why. Uh, like you said we referenced before defense is something they needed from that position. Uh, he isn't a perfect three. 
um, because of his offensive limitations, but definitely someone that you could put on those guys. I liken him almost to OKC um, with what they did with Andre Roberson. But the fact that they lost him, I mean, to Milwaukee, you know, best of luck there. Uh, I, I, I do think that there could have been some, even if it was the minimum, something, you know, to, to say, hey, we're going to bring the guy back. It's a shame they didn't, but um, that's my thoughts on that. But, but yeah, give it, give us your takes on uh, on, on the new uh, point guard from Real Madrid. Compasso. Yeah, Facunda. Um, you know, the, the hardest working preseason player you'll ever see. Like, Scrappy, man. I mean, he slid was, a couple yeah. times on the floor. I saw Scrap. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and we'll have to see. You know, the last time we kind of saw this was Milos Teodosic and L.A. with the Clippers. Yep. So Kudno Campos was kind of that next guy, like, you know, oh, the, the mysterious. don't forget Marcelo Hurtis from the Lakers. Don't forget okay. Marcelo Hurtis. Him too, yeah, I, him too. Yep. But just kind of you know, these, these mysterious point guards who kind of come in from overseas and, you know, you know, just kind of super-duper crafty type of guy. He's the next one of these guys. You know, um, again, what we've seen from him so far, we've seen the, the backspin pass. Um, and just him, just him being again super active, getting on the floor, um, reminds me of Matthew Delvadova a little bit in that sense. But it just seems like you know he's been there such a short period of time, and he's already you know so you know involved with his teammates on the floor. You know communicates very very well. Um, just you know it seems like you know he already has a good relationship with a lot of the guys there, which is a positive for them. Um, so yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting addition, and it's not like they're going to be relying on him too heavily. Because they also have another backup point guard in Monte Morris, who they just extended to a very, very solid deal, I thought, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's still on the roster for cheap this year, but he signed basically a three year extension worth $9 million a year. So, you know, you have that going for you. You have RJ Hampton, who, the, you know, they brought in as another kind of backup guard, who I'm not sure if he'll see a ton of run this year, but you, you have a very, very nice backup guard rotation there now. You know, PJ Dozier is in there as well. So that is one thing that I do really, really like for this team. You talk about the forwards a little bit, you know, losing Torrey Craig hurts a little bit. It definitely does. Um, well, it, it definitely hurts, you know, I mean, losing another wing defender on a team that, you know, is all of a sudden a little bit on wing defenders isn't the best, but um, I, I'm just, it, I, I'm like, they do have a full roster now. Do you take? Do you just not sign Isaiah Hartenstein and bring back Tory Craig? Where do you go to like make that roster spot for him? I I, I think you said it. I mean, Hartenstein's, Hartenstein's a good player. I don't know if he's a position of need, so to speak. You know, what I mean, you could slide uh, some of your guys up. I think Michael Porter could play the four. You already know that Jokic is going to suck up a lot of minutes at the five. Uh, you know, I I I guess you got Paul Millsap still, who I think is better as a five undersized that he may be um taking up minutes as well i mean you already have a glut in that kind of forward spot anyway already i mean we got battle right now between michael porter and um and 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 we already said he's not one but will barton so if you put will barton at the three put porter jr the five nicole yoke porter jr the four nicole yoke is the five and then brindle's got off the bench you can still bring tory craig as like a defensive three who are your I don't know. Maybe I'm over. Maybe I'm overstating his value. But those are my thoughts. Well, I see Isaiah Hardenstein is more of a five than a four. I think he can play both positions. But you look down this roster, like Jamichael Green can soak up some five minutes. I think Paul Millsap can soak up some. I don't want him playing there too much. But they don't really have a, they, like you know we we talk about losing Mason Plumlee and it's just like man. But like they do. I, I I think that they should have one more like traditional, and, and Isaiah isn't exactly a traditional center, you know, he's got a little bit more, you know, just creation ability, I think, than, than 
not a guy like Mason Plumley may have had, which isn't saying much. But I, I think it is good for them to have, you know, another backup five around at least. The one that I'm looking at, and I know that he has a guaranteed money this year, but Vlaco mm-hmm. Kankar was the guy that I would have, you know, parted ways with, I think. I don't know why he's on this team still. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what value he provides in any sense. Like I said, you have to <laughs> wow. his money this year. But, like, he's completely non-guaranteed next year, and then, you know, that's, that's, that's it. You'd just be paying for, you know, I don't know if they would wave and stretch him, but if they did wave and stretch him, it would be, you know, a 500K cap hit for the next few years. Like, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I look at, you know, like, did they really need to keep Blackco? I don't know. It was just weird. I see what One you mean. Guy that, you know, on the Nuggets that we haven't talked about, Zeke Naji, um, good athlete. You know, he's cool, I guess. I'm not sure that he's going <laughs> to like, I'm not sure if we're going to see a whole lot of Zeke Naji this year. I'm not sure he's going to make a real impact, but we'll see with him. You know, I, he's fine. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I didn't even have a no, much of a note to bring on him, so I'm yeah, glad maybe, that we... Maybe, maybe Zeke Naji can play some center for this team, too. You know, I mean, he's, you know he's what? Big, 11, exactly. So we'll see some Zeke Naji at center. Yeah, that makes sense. Give Bull Bull the run. That's all. Give Bull Bull all the run. <laughs> or Bull Bull. I didn't even... I kind of forgot about Bull Bull, to be completely honest. Um, I'm telling you, I, I like him. We Bull Bull a little bit, don't we? I mean... We got to. I, I dropped him in there to kind of give you give you the, the, the baton there. But let's mention, I like his skill set. I don't know. It's going to be so weird to kind of see where he fits in. You know what I mean? Unless you are playing on like, the five, you have so many of the three, and that's, I mean, the four, he's kind of thin. I mean, I don't know. What do you do? Like, I'm not as high on Bull Bull as a lot of people are. Like, a lot of people see this guy as, like, one of, the, like, the next stars on this team. Like, yeah, oh, the yeah. guy is, like, a freak, and he's super talented. But, like, there you go. That's the when and where do you play <laughs> When and where do you play this guy? Like, do you, do you throw him in there as your center? Because he's going to get cooked by, you know, in the paint by whoever is there. Um, is he is he strong enough or is he quick enough to guard guys on the perimeter? I don't know. Um, and he he's so fragile too. You know, he's so so thin. Like if he takes a bump the wrong way, is he gonna get hurt? I just I, I'm not sure exactly what you do with Bull Bull. Like I I don't know where you play him on the floor. I don't know how he fits into this rotation really. Honestly, I wish I could share. I don't know either. I look at him like a more dynamic uh, Chris Boucher. No, like he got some, he has some intriguing stuff though. He has a little bit off the bounce. He's someone that runs real well. Huh? I was going to say, oh yeah, he's intriguing. Yeah, he can initiate, shoot a little bit. Like you're right, I just don't know. He's one of those unconventional players. I mean, dare I say he's one of the unicorns. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go all there and say it. But the point being, like it is weird on this team to figure out where he is. I hope that he's someone that you kind of bring in off the bench, play at the three, play at the four. Uh, you know, maybe they're go- when you guys go small, like he's, there's, there's not an easy spot carved out for him in this rotation off the top. You know that. Uh, but I hope that there are minutes given that he's not just buried on the bench the entire time. Cause I do think I'm not like banging down the door on him. Like I would a Russell Westbrook or something like that. Like one guy I really go for, but like, he is someone that I really think, um, has an intriguing skill set that should be utilized. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I, I think we'll see some of him this year. I, I'm not sure exactly how much, but I'm, I'm excited to watch him nonetheless. Like whether he, you know, gets consistent minutes or not, you know, I'll be watching when he does. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It should be a whole lot of fun either way for Denver. I'm looking at them, uh, Western Conference Finals contender. You know, possibly um, if they catch fire like they did before, Jamal Murray on a hot streak or something of that sort, then I, I think you you ride that wave. I do think they have a lot of weakness at 
that front court position um, outside of Jokic, just more of the three. Uh, 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 I think not a weakness in terms of talent, but a weakness in terms of having like an embarrassment of riches, um, some possible dissension there, and ultimately not of defensive versatility. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that that's where I am on them. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they are, but we expect them to be another solid team because, I mean, Denver's been that way for a while. All right. Yeah, Western Conference finals contender for sure. That's Star it. That, mark it down. <laughs> All right, let's go to um, another interesting team, a very interesting team, given what ha- where they were last year, where they are now. They will be opening uh, tonight by the time y'all listen to this uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, we're talking about the Golden State Warriors. Uh, whew. They have themselves um, quite the roller coaster of emotions. They had um, oh just a horrible year uh, last year. You know, Steph Curry was out. Klay Thompson was out. Uh, you had a Draymond Green who wasn't exactly fully invested. I mean, thought he was out of shape. He was kind of injured, depending on what you think about that. Um, you know, however that's going to ha- – however you look at that is kind of um, – I mean, either way, he wasn't effective. Let's just say he actually looked as if yeah. he had slowed down and lost a couple steps. And whether that was just lack of engagement due to the roster or not, uh, it was clear Golden State just sank to the bottom and, and, and they were done. Uh, and we knew that going in. So they made a few moves um, and they got, I mean, they got the first round, uh, not the first, yeah, they got the first or second overall pick in the draft. Minnesota got first. And just before that, unfortunately, uh, Clay Thompson, who was returning from that ACL towards Achilles, and uh, now he's out for the year again. And so with that, you know, Golden State faced with having another reset year with a 32-year-old Seth Curry and a 30-year-old Draymond Green, decided to kind of reset on the fly. Uh, they obviously weren't bring, able to bring the whole gang back together with Thompson not being available. But considering the circumstances, I think they rebound the best way possible. So let's get down to it. Uh, in a trade, uh, they acquired Kelly Oubre um, from Oklahoma City after he got traded from from um, OKC to from Phoenix. They drafted uh, Wiseman second overall uh, and Nico Mannion 48th overall alongside uh, – Justinian Jessup, uh, who was, what, 51st? Yeah. Uh, free agency, they signed Ken Bazemore, uh, Dwayne Sutton undrafted, Axel Tupain, uh, Brad Wanamaker, uh, and Caleb Weston, on a, he was on a training camp deal. Uh, who they lose? Uh, Dragon Bender and Kai Bowman. And ultimately, their roster of folks who stayed, Marquise Chris, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Damian Lee, Kevon Looney, Michael Mulder, um, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, Ellen Smalich, Clay, uh, Clay Thompson, obviously not on the team, uh, not playing this season, but there. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Andrew Wiggins. So all of that, including a bunch of names that, you know, are the who's who of NBA players outside of the old reliable Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Uh, you could even go down a little bit to uh, Andrew Wiggins, who's been talked about, Kelly Oubre. What do you think about this Golden State team that is intriguing, at least at the top? Like their top six guys, I think, are decent. And then I got questions. Okay, well, hold on. Let's let's look at their top five or six guys. All right. So you have you have Stephen Curry, decent. You have uh, no. Uh, I I mean I mean we're taking like, into like consideration above. everyone. Decent uh-huh. or above. You know. Yeah. You've got Draymond Green, decent or above. Kelly Oubre. Like I, who's the third guy on this team that's like you know a solid? Like you can say like yeah, he's a good NBA player. Like. I, I'm I'm not the biggest Warriors fan here. Um, uh, I, I, guess, I, I, I like Looney, it. Kevon Looney, James Wiseman, I guess, you know, you can throw in there. But, yeah, looking down this roster, you know, a, a lot of similarities, you know, on this team from last year. Obviously, they'll have Steph Curry back. 
overall, it, it really sucks what happened with Clay Thompson. You know, I mean, nobody, you know, was happy to see that happen. That's really just kind of a devastating thing. Um, just coming off of an ACL and then tearing your Achilles, you know, that's, that, that just sucks. And it sucks for the Warriors. It sucks for Clay. It sucks for everybody. Um, it sucks that they just signed him to an extension, basically a max extension, because that guy's yeah. going to be making a ton of money coming off of some serious injuries. And I don't know how he's going to look. So, you know, that does really kind of blow. But looking at the rest of this roster, like, I don't feel bad for the Warriors at all. Like, they, they had their fun. Now you get you, you get Alan Smiley Geach and you like it, you know. Like, overall, I'm just, I'm not super high on this team. Like, they made some solid moves. I thought that Ken Bazemore was a fine pickup. You know, to get Ken Bazemore on a minimum, actually, was, I thought, a very good move. Um Kelly Oubre, obviously we know how much they ended up spending for him due to luxury tax. They got him in a trade exception, so they didn't send out any salary they paid. And we're going to have to see what exactly the luxury tax marks are going to be. Like, as far as, like, you know, because they're decreasing the luxury tax amounts this year just because the salary cap isn't increasing. So we'll we'll see exactly what they end up paying for him. But they're paying a a ton more than his $14.4 million salary. Um and they got a starting caliber wing there, or at least a starter on this team, you know, so solid move there. Um, other than that, I thought the James Wiseman pick was a good one. I like Wiseman, and I like him in in this team, you know, with, with Stephen Curry, who's going to be able to get him the ball a lot. Obviously, we know what, what kind of gravity Steph Curry has is just a floor spacer, so I think that's going to open up the court for James Wiseman to do some things. For sure. Just Wiseman, Curry picking roles, I think, are going to be really, really fun and effective. Other than that, you know, I mean, they they waived Juan Toscano Anderson in favor of Michael Mulder. Um, maybe we see Michael Mulder in a bit, little bit bigger role this year. Um, I like him as a shooter, you know, someone who can can knock down shots. But um, other than that, you know, I mean, Damian Lee, not really a big fan. Jordan Poole, I don't really think he's going to do much for them ever. And I I don't know. Are, are you still on the the Andrew Wiggins hype train? Because I am all the way off of that at this point. So I'm no longer on the Andrew Wiggins can possibly be a star. He's only 20 X, Y, Z. Like I'm off of that. Right. I still think on a team with a good culture and decent coaching, which I think golden state is, I mean, golden state is that he can be a guy that can at least be a solid rotation player. You know, yes, he's no longer going to be that star. He's not going to justify the number one selection in that, in that, in that sense. But do I think he can still be an absolute solid player? who can, you know, lead the team in scoring at times and, and flashing up potential. He's going to be like a Jeff Green, I think, uh, moving forward, which Jeff Green's a pretty decent basketball player. You know what I mean? I don't know if you, you take Jeff Green number one overall and you, you hype him up like that, but, like, at the end of the day, if you get a guy who, you know, let's say ends up being a journeyman, flashing potential um, that is never fully realized, but at the same time is someone who's productive and, 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 you know, comes through at times, like, that's not the worst career to have. I think in Golden State, yeah, you have to just – put down the expectations of him being that major dude and, and, and realize, okay, much more reasonable um, or much more reserved thoughts of who he can be. But ultimately, yeah, I think that um, all that to say, yeah, I think he can still be a very good player um, with decent teammates and, and, and good coaching around him. I think he'll have the opportunity here. If he can't do it in Golden State uh, and more than the sample size saw last season, then I will probably have officially lost all hope. But right now, that I can uh, get behind it. You know, you, you mentioned Jeff Green as a comparison for him. And yes, Jeff Green is a fine player. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we showed a lot of love to Jeff Green on here last night. 
Yes, but, we did. Um, I was hoping to get some to Wiggins. <laughs> here's, here's, here's the thing. Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Green. Jeff Green is not on a max contract for the next three seasons. Well, yes. And that's where I think you get into some problems with this team. Like, one, he's... Jeff Green, at this point in his career, has bought into his role more. Like, Andrew Wiggins is literally just an empty calories, 18 points a game, and I don't ever see him being more than that. I don't see him ever being, you know, a versatile, you know, type of defender. I don't see him ever being, you know, someone who shoots at a high level off the catch. Yes, he can can drive to the rim when he feels like it. Other than that, you're just going to get the contested long twos. Like, yeah, he, he can make a big play every now and then because he does have the talent. But I just, he's like a slightly worse you know, I won't say he's, he's much more talented than Jeff Green, but, like, does he really have that much more of an impact on the on the court? Obviously, he does more. Like, you know, he scores more overall, but, like, if you're just looking at, like, net positives, is he that much more of a net positive on the floor than Jeff Green and he's on a max contract? Okay, so, so I don't know. I I, I, I would... I, I, I definitely think more than Jeff Green. I think in this specific scenario, you mentioned your eight, uh, empty calorie 18-point score, right? On this team, I think it won't be empty because they're going to need those points. You know what well, I mean? In Minnesota, sure. You know, he's averaging 20 points, shooting, you know, 44% from the field, 32% from three, uh, three rebounds, two assists a game. Great. That, that's not that's not good at all. That's, that's, that's empty calories, right? But on a team like Golden State where they need that offensive production, except Curry can't score all the baskets, and, and you know, uh, Kelly Oubre and, Andrew, and uh, Andrew Wiggins, between the two, Andrew Wiggins probably best suited to be more of that high-volume scorer. You need someone that's going to step in alongside them. I think if he can give 18 to 22 points a game, then that's impactful and not empty. I think a lot of it determining, you know, what is the empty calories and what is more of a complete game is based off the situation. I think that you have a situation right now where if you get that version of Wiggins, albeit maybe a little more efficiently, there's a hope, then you don't complain. If he if he can increase his efficiency a little bit, then, you know, that is the hope that he, you know, takes a little bit better shot, you know, a few better shots, um, just overall plays, smarter plays like he gives at least a little bit of a crap you know when he's out there um i said i i used to i was on the wiggins train a little bit longer than a lot of people were but at this point it's like you know we know what you are dude you're you're never going to change like and again we'll we'll have to see him on a team that at least wants to compete although i feel like we've seen him on a team that wants to compete we saw him in in minnesota when they made the playoffs Mm -hmm. like i don't think that that minnesota team is worse than this team without clay thompson like that they, they I, mean, might, they, I don't. I don't have this team as one of the top eight in the West right now. Like I think that they will be in the mix for a play-in spot, but I'm not even sure that they're going to get that. I think they're in the mix. I think they're in the mix, and I don't know at the end of the day if they if if they fall short. If it's become is it's going to be in my mind because you don't have. Let's say that you got. Let's say Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre just end up being perfectly fine swingmen, right? They're not yeah. providing the, the uptick in offensive production that you'd like. Let's say that Seth Curry misses 15 to 20 games. Let's say, you know, Draymond Green, who's already missing uh, tonight's game uh, just due to injury. Let's say he's not fully, you know, healthy. And that step that we think he lost, he most definitely lost. Uh, if we're saying all that, then for sure. But I think that, I don't know. I think that Wig. Ah, here I go on my Wiggins train again. I think that Wiggins oh, can help this team out. 
in ways, at least through scoring. Yes, he's a limited player, but his limited skill set is something that would work very well with this team if fully utilized. And I think that Kerr will find that way. Um, and also, I I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Damian Lee either. I think there's guys on the back end of this bench where it gets ugly fast. But I really have some faith in the starting five, and I think that you have to. Uh, Brad Wanamaker, not the super biggest fan of him. But, um, but, um, what's it called? Um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say about Brad Wanamaker. I think he's still a serviceable backup point guard. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like the, I like the Wanamaker signing for them. Like, I thought that was fine. They got him at two points. Basically, essentially a minimum contract. I, I was fine with the, the Wanamaker signing. I think that's a good signing. I think that's a good deal. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, yeah, I definitely see them just closing Golden State out. We gave them a, a, a good. Well, actually, no. Kent Bazemore still down there. Kent Bazemore is not the the Bazemore that was overhyped that got that massive to Atlanta. Um, but he's also not the Bazemore that he was at the very first stop Golden State way back in the day. I think he's someone that still has enough on the bounce. He's a little older, can still shoot a little bit, can do a little bit of creation, uh, take everything and put a little next to it, and I think you're okay with that. And in small doses, not the worst thing in the world. Um. Aside from that, seeing what Eric Pascal has, whether what happened last year was an aberration, a blip, a good, you know, empty calories, kind of good stats, bad team type deal, or a little bit more. Seeing how James Wiseman works together, like looking at those pieces. So if I go Curry, Green, Wiggins, Oubre, Wiseman, Bazemore, Wanamaker, I mentioned Wiggins, right? Yeah, that's seven. Oh, Marquise Chris. I like Marquise Chris too. That's eight. Is that the strongest eight in rotation? Yeah, he's exactly. And I think that's someone, again, you need someone that's going to be just that. You're not, you know, he's he's a decent guy. And so I think if you put yeah. those guys, eight guys, I think they're going to be okay. Added some coaching, some stuff, Cray Magic. I, I Do I see them, you know, in the front half? No, I see them in the playing game more likely than not. Um, I don't see them sticking to the bottom unless injuries happen. I definitely don't see them locked in alongside the top eight. Yeah. Talking about Kent Bazemore just a little bit more, they're going to have to hope that they get the Sacramento version of Kent Bazemore from last year and not the Portland version because he kind of came alive a little bit in, in Sacramento in the second half of the season. So if he is that guy and he you know shows that you know ability that he still has that shot, then I'm a lot you know I, I, I love that deal for them. But even if even if he does you know kind of slip a little bit, he's still a playable wing. Like he's fine. He's whatever. But yeah, overall. Yeah. I, I'm just not a big Warriors guy in general. Um, you look down the roster. Is Alan Smalegeach the worst player in the NBA? Has to be in that short list. Uh, he, he, for for me personally, he's right next to um, uh, his name escapes me right now. He's right next to uh, oh yeah, Rudy Gobert. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. No, no. So, so I know. I was trying to be. I was trying to. I, I had to get some love in there again. No, but anyway, let's. Let, let, he he's kind of bad. If he's getting heavy minutes, then Golden State is sitting at the bottom of the cellar and looking again to the 2021 draft. If they even have their pick, I gotta check out to make sure. I'm pretty sure they do. And they got Minnesota's, uh, which yeah, could be valuable. Minnesota. We'll get down to that in a little bit. Yeah. But speaking of that, let, we're, we're we're going on a decent pace right now. We've done what three, four teams. We're an hour in. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go to the. <laughs> Oh man, I can't. This is this is fun, but I love how we get here. Okay, Houston Rockets. Okay. They got John Wall uh, trading away the great point guard Russell Westbrook for John Wall, who's still serviceable. Um, Kenyon Martin Jr. They acquired in draft 52nd overall. Crazy to think Kenyon Martin Jr. 
but here we are. Uh, uh, free agent Sterling Brown from Milwaukee, DeMarcus Cousins, Jerry Grant. Uh, is he still? Yeah. Um, Mason Jones Jerry undrafted. Grant I thought he did. I thought I yeah. saw that. Yeah. Uh, Traveling Queen uh, was also undrafted. Jay Sean Tate uh, played for the Sydney Kings. The big one, Christian Wood. And then you had uh, uh, undrafted uh, Broderick Thomas and uh, Kenny Wooden um, from New York. Who they lost? Whew. Robert Covington was traded to Portland. Uh, the rest were free agents. Damari Caro, Tyson Chandler, Michael Frazier, Jeff Green. He went to Brooklyn. William Howard, Luke Bamute, Austin Rivers went to New York, Tabo Shefalosha, um, and Isaiah Hartenstein, who went to Denver. So I actually said that twice. Uh, I said that um, Robert Covington went to Portland, yeah, and the rest were just uh, who, were, who were just still free agents. But I was wrong. Austin Rivers, uh, Hartenstein, who we talked about already, and Jeff Green all found new homes. The other guys are still out there. Uh, so ultimately, who ended up staying? Uh, Bruno Cabocolo, Chris Clements, who unfortunately tore his Achilles, um, Eric Gordon, uh, James Harden, Daniel House Jr., Ben McLemore, David Nwaba, and P.J. Tucker. I, I don't know if we can start talking about the Rockets without first addressing what is up with James Harden. And I've already kind of brought that up a few times from different angles, so I'm going to get a fresh voice in here. Justin, when you first think of Houston, what are you looking at? Well, I thought you were going to say we couldn't get into this without first talking about the situation with Chris Clemens. But we can talk about <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, yeah. listen, very important to the backup depth. Eric Gordon kind of still with some more point guard minutes. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, with the James Harden situation, like, anybody who is – okay, so if you haven't watched a Rockets game this this season yet, which is understandable because it's only preseason, no James Harden doesn't weigh 280 pounds. Like, that was a bad picture on Twitter. It, it's funny. It's but all he, about the not, angles, you know, though. It's all about the angles. It's all about those TV pounds. You know, I mean, he he's not actually that fat. Um, you know, he's probably not in his best shape of his career, but he's, he's not. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still James Harden, and he's still going to be that. Um, obviously, you're not happy if you're the Rockets with the way James Harden has handled things, um, you know, going from Atlanta to Vegas, especially, you know, doing all of that, you know, and being maskless in, in a place with other maskless people in a pandemic. It's just irresponsible, you know, let alone, like, you stack that on top of the fact that, like, you have training camp going on right now, and you should probably be with your team, and instead you're partying and you're, like, way out of shape and you're eating honey buns or whatever, whatever was going on there. Um, yeah, you're definitely not happy about it, but um, he is here now. Um, he is committed to at least, you know, being professional with this team while he is still here. Um, he, you know, he said that, you know, he's still is demanding his trade, he's requesting his trade, but he's going to play out here until he does get traded. So at least you have that if you're if you're Houston. You know, this isn't a Jimmy Butler situation, fortunately. You know, he's still committed for now to, to, you know, just running this out however long it may be. So, you know, it's... I, I don't know when James Harden gets traded, honestly, right now. I don't think it's any time too soon. No. Just because Houston's asking price is so astronomically high. You know, like they're asking for like Ben Simmons and three first round picks from Philadelphia, and that's absurd. But mm-hmm. um, it'll happen at some point, and it'll definitely shake up the league when it does happen. But I, I don't know when that's going to come. Yeah, I'm 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 putting more and more as we get into this midseason, at the very least. I mean, I could see a random January deal, but I don't see it. No, I, I think it'll be you know closer to the trade deadline. I, I'm not going to say at the trade deadline, but I think he's going to play at least a couple months with his team. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm with you on that. So, 
Uh, I mean, with that being said, let's talk about the roster that we have around Harden. I feel like we've talked about Harden. It's been talked about forever. So we're just going to keep moving on there. Uh, John Wall, do you like his fit? I think he looks so good. I'm just going to throw in DeMarcus Cousins in there as well as two guys who spent uh, this season and much of uh, the past two seasons injured. I think that having those two guys play and look pretty strong is a good sign for Houston moving forward. Well, yeah. I mean, they're finally reunited, you know. DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall. Remember when, you know, it was John Wall in, in Washington still when there were rumors that those two wanted to team up. <laughs> and the league thought, you know, that would be – or everybody around the league thought, you know, that would be, you know, wow, what an incredible pairing. Well, here you go. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I think they're both still solid players. Um, we'll mm-hmm. talk about John Wall first, who <laughs> obviously still has – Three years left on his deal at $41 million, $44 million, and $47 million on a player option, which he's going to pick up. I don't see any world where he doesn't. That's a lot of money, obviously, for, for John Wall. We, we don't need to get into the, the contract stuff. The thing is, they already had Russell Westbrook on that deal, and obviously Russell Westbrook is the better player between the two, but you net a first-round pick. I think it was like a lot. Maybe it was a lottery-protected first-round, so you know maybe it conveys, maybe it becomes, you know, something later down the line. But either way, they ended up getting an asset for, for Russell Westbrook, which is something that it didn't seem like they were going to be able to do. So even though they do have to take on John Wall in turn, I thought that was a fine move. Um, John Wall will at least keep this team competitive while James Harden is still here. Um, it's it's just it's a feel-good story to watch John Wall play. You know, I mean, he's playing well. He's not going to be a guy who, you know, puts up crazy numbers this year. But I could see him averaging, you know, 16, 17, and 9. Or not maybe not 9, but like, 16, 17, we'll, we'll say 17 and 7 from Wall is, okay, you know, an optimistic fair. outcome. I think that that's something that we could see this year. Um, you know, coming into this uh, this preseason, I was a little bit more down on Wall. I didn't know how good he was going to look. But I think he still has a little bit of that explosiveness, a little bit of that speed, which I really wasn't expecting. And obviously, he's still he's one of the better passers in the league. So he still has that court vision, which is, you know, Super helpful. Um, I think he's a better shooter at this point than, than Russell Westbrook, which isn't saying a bunch. Russell Westbrook's shot has just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. But overall, <laughs> I, I don't hate John Wall here. Um, and you, you move on to DeMarcus Cousins, who they basically got on a camp deal. Um, he's obviously going to make the team as long as he doesn't you know, suffer a, a last-second injury here. But um, another one that I, I really like, um, obviously coming off of a torn Achilles, quad, and ACL, um, even if he literally cannot move, he's yeah. still, you know, a very, very skilled big man, um, you know, can still shoot, still just kind of has those intangibles that were part of what made him so great. Still a big body who can bang down low. So, yeah, both of those signings I think are good. Um, I think you're happier with these signings if, you know, you have a committed James Harden because then maybe this is kind of a frisky, you know, another, you know, scrappy, maybe can catch one of those top two play-in seeds. But without him, I'm not really sure. But either way, you know, two fun guys to have on your team. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, like you said, a lot of this feels so much better in a totally different lens if you understand that you have James Harden long term. You know what I mean? Because then you can go, okay, this could be a solid fifth seed. You know, uh, assuming good health and everything being as is, you know, uh, John Wall meshing alongside Harden, having um, DeMarcus Cousins look as great as he has, Christian Wood lighting it up. We could talk about him in a moment here. Uh, just just absolute fire um, when he played that one preseason game against the Spurs. Uh, you know, you can look up and down and find at least pieces. Um, Daniel House, who, you know, has been pretty 
you know, he's he's had some house arrest, I'm sure. As long as <laughs> that's, his that's team, horrible. But, as long uh, as his teammates don't hate him, he'll be good this year. Exactly, and he's still a solid guy. So you know, you you, I mean, solid player. My fault. Um, so you have like, I. <laughs> so you look at that, and you're like, okay, there's enough here to get behind. But if you take Harden out the equation, all of a sudden, I mean, I look at them like I look at Minnesota. Actually, yeah, yeah, because I say that in terms of having competitive pieces that you could kind of talk yourself into, but major question marks surrounding each of those pieces that you don't have that one superstar talent that you can like lump them together with and collectively raise the talent level. Yeah, yeah, so, I think that's fair. Um, look, and, and looking at some of the smaller moves that the team has made, um, David Nawaba, you know, was. Uh, signing before the bubble last season. He was in that small transaction window. Um, he's looking good coming off of his Achilles tear. What is up with this team until Achilles tears, by the way? You have David Nalava, you have John Wall, you have Chris Clemens, you have DeMarcus Cousins. Like, this team is cursed. But yeah. anyway. No, you said it. It's, it's real rough. It's sad. But, you know, it's sad. Yeah. But David Nawaba is, you know, it should be a fun guy for them. I, I think anywhere that David Nawaba has been, his team has loved him. He just, he plays so hard. He has good defensive instincts, super active on that end. Uh, we'll always kind of have some ugly three-point misses, but overall, just a lovable guy who plays hard and is impactful in the defensive end. Um, mm-hmm. Sterling Brown's a fine pickup for them. You know, just a little bit of guard wing depth there never hurts. Um, I, I think the one thing that really hurts this team it doesn't really, really hurt this team. But, you know, the Chris Clemens injury is unfortunate because not only do they not have Chris Clemens now, but they also don't have Gerald Green. Um, Chris Clemens was on a non-guaranteed contract this year. Um, they could have waived him if they wanted to keep Gerald Green. Yeah, well, which I would like. Basically, Gerald he has a provision in his contract that's essentially injury concerns. So as soon as he tore his Achilles and was ruled out for the season, his contract became guaranteed. So, you know, that's money that they can't just get off of without paying. So they elected to waive, Tillman uh, Fertitta, big shocker here, decided to waive Gerald Green and save the money instead of parting with Chris Clemens, who is, you know, probably wasn't going to be a guy who was in the rotation ever anyway. Yeah. And, you know, now you not only have him coming off an Achilles tear, but you also don't have Gerald Green, which kind of sucks because that was another, you know, big Houston hometown favorite type of guy that, you know, they, they weren't able to keep. So that was kind of a bummer as well. Yes, someone who came back at 35. You know what I mean? Like, he's someone Houston likes. I, You know, he had that broken foot last season. I think he could still be effective um, in spots, in spots. The dude 35 was never a good defender four years ago. Um, uh, he was well, never a good defender at all. But like, like, hmm? like, he could be someone that, you know, obviously teams like the, the Clippers and Lakers and Bucks can't sign anybody right now because of hard cap reasons. But once that minimum kind of gets prorated down a little bit and they aren't going to have to pay him the, you know, the full minimum right now, I think that Gerald Green is a guy that teams could be looking at just for some extra shooting on the wing. You know what? Yeah, he'd be a nice signing. And, I mean, you could even play him in, in certain lineups. I mean, Boston, I know, had a co- great success with a couple years back uh, playing him at the four. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, he, he's somebody who can still impact the team. You know, the broken foot was tough. But I think, he, you know, the shooting is still there. And overall, he'd, he'd be a valuable addition to a team. The other yeah. one that we haven't talked about yet is Christian Wood. Yes, How I that touched second. Like, but... that, was, that was fantastic by them. You know, it, whether they started him at the four or five, I don't know what their plans are for DeMarcus Cousins exactly. But, you know, just 
to get him out of out of Detroit, you know, that I, I don't know what again, I don't know what Detroit's doing there. But like Christian Wood is a great signing for them, you know, someone who can be your starting center if you want him to be, uh, getting paid a very, very reasonable amount. You know, he caps out at fourteen point three million in his final season. Like that's really, really good. I thought they got a great deal on him for a, yeah. a stretch five who can do some other things as well. No, they most certainly did. He wreaked havoc, had great pick-and-roll chemistry with Harden in that first game against uh, the Spurs, who, let's just be real, had just objectively horrible defense. Like, it was very bad. But at the same time, uh, you know, him shooting as efficient as he did, uh, pick-and-popping, finishing around the rim, making those threes, just convert those baskets, and he did a very good job of that. It gives a lot of hope moving forward that he can continue that. Again, it'd be amazing to see him as a perfect piece alongside um, Harden. But let's say a trade's done and Ben Simmons comes to the picture or something like that. I think we talked about this a little bit ago yesterday. But, you know, a, a piece that he's only 25, intriguing in terms of a skill set. It looks like it's for real. We talked about a sample size from three already. Um, you know, this is someone who could be a real get or not could be is a real get for Houston. And, I mean, it's, it's not maybe out of the realm of reality that he could be some kind of star or at least a very, very high level uh, yeah, star. One of those, yeah, one of those friends all-star type guys. There you go. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to him. He's going to be a bright spot in Houston no matter what, uh, regardless of what the deal with Harden is. So that'll be cool to see. Um, I just hope that the dysfunction kind of stays low. You know, injuries aren't a factor uh, or aren't a significant factor and that we at least see some good basketball from these guys. That's my hope for Houston. I I think I put them in my rankings eighth if they have Harden. Just kind of think the West is so talented, and I think there's enough question marks in Houston that you at least have to slip them down, um, even behind some upstart teams that weren't even in the playoffs last year. I think without Harden, they don't make the playoffs. Pretty much that simple to me. I think it's – yeah, with with Harden, they're in that eight range. But I think it depends on the return they get for Harden. If they get Ben Simmons back, then I think this team is still kind of in that play-in mix. But, again, it, it, it depends entirely on what they get for him. If you just subtract Harden from this team and get – you know, you just – saying you don't get anything back for him, you're just taking him out of the equation, then, yeah, they're undoubtedly not a playoff team. But if they get someone like Ben Simmons, I think they'll still be very competitive. Yeah, yeah, I, that's true. I, I I guess I consider the meshing of that talent um, not thinking, I don't know if this, again, how Ben, I guess it depends on how high of a player, how high you are on Ben Simmons. I'm not super-duper high on him. Um, I'm, I'm I was going to say, I'm pretty high on Ben Simmons. And so I think that kind of shows in there because I feel like he is someone that has to be, you know, a certain type of roster around him. You take Ben Simmons, you take out Harden and bring Ben Simmons in. I don't know if this is that team. But, I mean, I could One be thing, wrong. though, one thing. Let's hear. I don't love his fit with John Wall, but I like his fit with Christian Wood. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can get some good uh, inverted pick and roll. Well, inverted with both those guys being as big as they are. But, yeah. No, that's true. They have they there might be some uh some interesting tandems there uh, in terms of play style between those two. Yeah, it's, By it's the way, possible. Is, is there, how many contracts in the league? I feel like this isn't one that gets talked about very much. I mean, you, you see guys getting flamed for their for their contracts all the time. How many worse contracts are there in the NBA than Eric Gordon's contract? He's making Yo. seventeen million, eighteen million next season. Nineteen and a half million the next season, and then he's got like a, he, I think that that last season on his deal is you know completely non guaranteed, but um like what is that? That is horrible. It, it, I'm sorry. It was, like that's something it that was dumb the moment about. it happened. Yeah, like that was just a bad idea. 
Like you're going to be paying. How old is Eric Gordon going to be in 2023? You're what, paying him nineteen and a half million dollars. Like, like he's been so inconsistent too. I just I don't understand that at all. But I just we I had to to get that off real quick. Like no, and and, 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 and rightfully so. It, it's it's rough. I didn't even think about it. I'm glad you brought it up. I remember that extension being a bad idea the moment it happened. Going like, okay, why though? You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's been quote unquote integral to your success. He's been a very good player. Okay, very good, maybe. He's been a decent player for you. He was a big part of that 2017. Yeah, big part of that 2017 year. Um, versatility came in huge at the same time. Injuries have been a factor for him. Uh, inconsistency as far as the shooting has also been something as of late that's popped up. And he's getting older. Do we expect that to improve of age? He's not a, it's not a Grant Hill situation. Yeah, so. So, yeah, I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah. All in all, No. No, I, 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 I couldn't be either. I think you're right. It's it's an interesting situation for them. Um, Houston's an interesting team. They'll be interesting to monitor. Uh, I said interesting again for the fourth time. They're a league pass team for me just because I don't know what's going on over there, and I think that's part of the fun in watching them. But um, let's talk about a team that's not going to be fun. Uh, we're talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, bad joke <laughs> insert, I know. But let's talk about the Clippers and what they did. Uh we don't have to rehash, although I'll delightfully re-mention. If you didn't know, uh, they were up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets West Conference semifinals last year, and they choked. <laughs> choked. Anyways, um, let's talk about what they did uh, since then. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was – I'm telling you, man, the joy that I felt. I was hooting, like audibly hooting when uh, Paul George took that three and hit the corner of the backboard. For every Kawhi miss, I was like, Yes! All right, time's running. I, I've, I've never been a bigger Denver Nuggets fan than I was for the last seven minutes of Game 7. I mean, I mean, I was a big fan of them in Game 5, 6 as well because I wanted to get to a Game 7. But once that happened, I was so, so pumped. So with that being said, that's in the past. New season literally going to start tonight, so we're going to move on. Just kidding. We'll never move on. But we are in this show. Uh, Clippers acquired Luke Kennard in a trade, and then, uh, well, you're listening to this by the time. Yesterday, they extended him a four-year, $64 million. So he got paid, relatively. Uh, they drafted Daniel Otoru, uh, 33rd overall, and Jay Scrub, fifth uh, in free agency. Uh, Nicholas Batum, I think Kyle Bowman's been waived. Uh, Malik Fitz, yeah, undrafted. Yeah. Jordan Ford, undrafted. Cool. Serge Ibaka being the big one. Rajon Tucker, I uh, thought he was, too. Um, who they lost. Landry Shamet, they got trade. He got traded to Brooklyn. Rodney Magruder traded to Detroit. Jamichael Green left in free agency to Denver. Montrose Harrell went to the defending champs, best team in the okay, the Lakers. Um, Jonathan Motley went to Phoenix and was waived, uh, or just recently from them. Joe Kim Noah was waived and retired, and Justin Patton to Milwaukee. Ultimately, who stayed? Patrick Beverly, Amir Coffey, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, uh, Fiondu Cabangeli, Mafiondu Cabangeli. I said that twice. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Patrick Patterson, Lou Williams, and Avisa Zubac. Uh, the Clippers made some uh, decent adjustments. Some of them I feel they, they had to make. Some of them were made for them in the case of Jermichael Green and Montrezl Harrell. But rather than even go individual, I'll kind of give you the floor there, Justin, to pick whichever one you want to pick specifically. I'm just going to ask you this. Did the Clippers get better? I don't think it's a stretch to say that they did. Um yeah, they lost to Michael Green. They lost Montrez Harrell, but they added Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is really, really good. Like that's a, that, I think, I don't. Is Serge Ibaka an upgrade for Montrez Harrell? I think he might be for this team. Like this I've is what they heard need. that's 
contender. For what they need, I, I, I think I'd like Serge Ibaka better on this team. Okay. I mean, I, for what they need, yes. I, I will say uh, defensively, uh, absolutely. The fact that he can actually shoot a three ball, I mean, we struggle to get Montres to even shoot a mid-ranger, absolutely. Defensive rebounding, not sure that's a big thing. Um, as far as a rim force, somebody who can carry your offense, I still give uh, that to Montrez. And when you're talking about having some juice off the bench, uh, Montrez and Lou Williams had a connection that I don't know you're going to have. Uh, you know, definitely not sure if you're going to have that between Lou Will and Serge Ibaka, but that's not even necessary. What I mean is, like, just having that offensive punch without extensive staggering of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Because Reggie Jackson, depending on how high you are on him, I'm not super-duper high on him. Uh, Luke Kennard is someone who can carry your offense for stretches as far as a playmaking perspective um, in spots, but I don't look at him as that type of score that you need. Um, Marcus Moore, shot can come and go. Like, I look at what Montrez is able to do, as bad as he was defensively, and he's very bad, what he did offensively, I mean, that got him the sixth man of the year. I mean, the dude was giving yeah, you almost 20 yeah. points off the bench. Yeah, and I think... You know, so much of the Clippers' woes, and, like, yes, they were cocky, you know, in the bubble, and I'm not, like, excusing, you know, the way that they acted and how they performed, but, like, the Clippers were kind of at a disadvantage in the bubble. You know, Patrick Beverly was coming off of an injury. Um, obviously, you know, you know, Montrez was coming off of, I believe he had to leave the bubble because a relative died, and, you know, he was coming back in late and was trying to get back in shape and just didn't look very good. Like, I don't think you can blame those guys for, for that. You know, I think that was just kind of an unfortunate, bad type of luck situation. So, I, I like, I'm not as down on the Clippers as a lot of people are. Like, you know, you see all the, the flippers jokes, whatever. Like, the Clippers are still going to be a really, really good team, even if they aren't as good as the Lakers. Uh, I really, really, really liked the Luke Kennard move. Um, I think he's a huge upgrade from Landry Shamit, and I even like Landry Shamit. Um, you know, just... What he brings as far as on-ball creation, I think, is so much more than a guy like Shamit brings. And especially, you say, you know, losing some of the offense that Montrez Harrell can create. Obviously, yeah. it's at a completely different position, but I think Luke Kennard can give you a lot of that. Um, I thought he was given a fair extension, um, basically making $16 million a year. I, I think that that's pretty much what his value is at. Um, the, the one concern there is that he does deal with a little bit of injury issues he has throughout his career. But overall, like, I'm a huge fan of the Luke Kennard sign, you know, trade. I'm a fan of the extension sign. You know, overall, I think that was a very, very good addition for them. I think you look at some smaller moves, um, you know, like Nicholas Batum. I don't think Nicholas Batum is going to play a ton for them, but I think it's a nice piece. You know, again, one of those guys who has just kind of been trashed on for his contract and didn't do a lot in, you know, in Charlotte. Obviously, you know, he, he really didn't do anything in Charlotte. I think, you know, since did but he's not going to be asked to do more than you know very very minimal in in Los Angeles he's going to be asked to play you know low minutes just kind of be serviceable in in, you know the few minutes that he gets so I thought that was a fine move for them as well um again like Marcus Morris like was that deal a little bit pricey yes but I think it's necessary then just you know as another guy who can create shots um it's not the worst thing in the world you know he's getting paid you know, 15, 15 and a half, 16, 17, like, yeah, that's going to look bad by the end of the deal. But I think, you know, you have that with a lot of deals, um, you know, the, especially for a team like the Clippers that are going all in now. I think that was necessary. You know what? I mean, I think they had no choice to replace him. So, I mean, yes, it yeah. was pricey. Yes, I don't like that contract. 
But yeah, you were stuck with between a rock and a hard place, so you're right. I can't hold them against that. Um, I'm gonna push back a little bit on Nick Batum. I think the dude's washed. Uh, again, preseason not really the big barometer as far as someone's level of impact, but he didn't look very good, at least in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, he had. It's not. I mean, he was out of the rotation some for Charlotte, especially toward the end. But like, he played his way out of that. Like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, we're going yeah. for this youth culture rebuild. Like, the dude was was just not very good. Um, and I don't know, I mean, if he is, you know, if he was a good guy, I, you know, behind the scenes in the locker room, that sort of thing. But as far as like level on the court, no, it's like he lost the entire fastball. Um, at the same time, the dude is 31. So, I mean, there's still hope for him. Uh, I'm just not overly optimistic. Luke Kennard yeah, over, uh, yeah. uh, huh? I'll, you know, I'll let you, I was gonna say, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I don't think he's like, the thing is, I don't think he's going to be asked to do very much. Like, you know, when he signed that contract, he was expected to have a big role. And Charlotte, so yeah, obviously he didn't, you know, live up to that at all. But I think no. just in the world that he's going to be asked to play, I think he's fine. I I'll, I can agree with that. I guess. I mean, depending on what that is, if that's like ten to fifteen minutes a night, sure. Anything more than I'm that, not even sure I, that, I'm honestly. not. I I would yeah, I would definitely hope not. If it's deep bench, like uh, let's say the role that Joe Kim Noah had, fine, great. You know what I mean? Moments, uh, Pat, Pat Patrick Patterson type minutes, sure. It can't you can't. It's not yeah, I was, that, like, that's exactly what I was going to mention. Is like. Patrick Patterson tier, you know. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm with you on that. I can, I can, I can get behind that one for sure. Um, as far as uh Landry Shamet, I just feel like the dude wasn't utilized right. I mean, if you remember when he first was drafted, he wasn't the guy who could play on off ball. He wasn't just this pin down shooter. What Paul George said that Doc Rivers treated him like was exactly how Landry Shamet was treated. You know, what I mean, like the dude did have at least he wasn't as good as as um. Uh, Luke Kennard in terms of ball handling initiating, but the dude can handle the ball a little bit. Yeah. You know, he had some playmaking chops, and they were totally underutilized, just completely thrown aside with the Clippers, uh, just being this pin-down specialist for them when he could have done a little bit more. That all, I mean, and, and I'm not saying, you know, some guy who you run the offense through in stretches, but somebody who could make some play off the catch and do something. And some of that, you know, he wasn't very effective. Um, right now, it, it, the proof is in the pudding. I think you definitely say that Luke Kennard is a better player, and with good reason. But I think some of that's also because they didn't make the most of what they had with Landry Shem. With that being said, um, I do like his addition. I do think he'd be a, be a great connector for the Clippers, someone whose floor spacing will be integral just throughout, but someone who can also do playmaking, uh, has some size on defensive ends who can play alongside Lou Will. Uh, I expect Lou Will to have another strong season. Yeah, I guess at this point it's going as far as Paul George and Kawhi take them, and and I guess that's why I throw this one back to you to kind of close out the Clippers. Where do you see those two, um, and where do you see them finishing this year? I mean, obviously Western Conference Finals contenders, right? Finals NBA Finals, really? Yeah, I, I was being I mean, pessimistic there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they're going to finish two through four, probably. You know, with an outside shot at being the best team in the West as far as record goes. But I, I think that, like I said, I still think that the, the Lakers are the best team in the West. But I could see the Clippers finishing with the first seed. And um, yeah, I think I think Paul again. You know, Paul George has become a subject of of many jokes. I think Paul George's fine. Like I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be back to Paul George. You know, whatever happened in the bubble, I think is going to you know stay there. I, I expect him to be back to being, you know, the, the star that he is this season. And you know, I think there's no reason to expect that Kawhi will be any different either. Yeah, bottom line, the guy's a top 15 player, you know, um, regardless. And you're right. Like, as much jokes as he got, and all were rightfully deserved. No, I'm not complaining about him. Um, but, yeah, the dude is is better than he's let on. He's not garbage. Uh, obviously, we all know what Kawhi can do, even though I think that what was underrated is how 
much he fell apart this stretch, whether that was because of more playmaking responsibility on the offensive end or whatnot, he completely just, just fell apart. And you can't say it was the defense at all because, huh? I was say, I'll say, Kawhi was really, really, really good in the playoffs. He had one bad quarter when the Clippers completely fell apart, and people were acting like, oh, you know, Kawhi, you know, he, he overrated, he jokes, he, you know. The dude was incredible for the playoffs. He just had one bad, like, and it was, to be fair, it was really bad, but, like, one bad six-minute stretch. And, mm-hmm. therefore, you know, he is also the subject of more jokes than he deserves to be, in my opinion. No, I get you. I mean, at the end of the day, Kawhi, I mean, we know what Kawhi's body of work is. The dude's won two rings. Dude's been finals MVP twice. Like, the dude is, he's he's Kawhi. You know what I mean? By the end of the day, to just sum it all up, some guys come back from 3-1 deficit, some fall down in 3-1. Speaking of uh, coming back up, a horrible transition, but we're going to roll with it. (laughs) Let's talk about the Lakers. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know that was that was rough, but listen, we had we had to go on. We're right now we're making. I mean, we're hour and twenty. We're making decent time, you know. We're, we're getting. Well, I mean, so we, folks, y'all. Huh? Well, I, no, you go ahead and say what you're gonna say. I was gonna say, folks, y'all knew what to expect. Bringing Justin on, breaking down the entire Western Conference, like just like last time. This is gonna be a long one. I, I definitely want to keep us on a good pace here, and that transition was rightfully rough. But uh, at the same time, I mean, did I did I lie though? Like, where was the lie? I, I didn't lie, so. <laughs> we should be good. Yeah. Oh so we, man. See, we got we got the the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the Thunder. That's three. Grizzlies, four. New Orleans, <laughs> Portland, Phoenix, Kings, Pelicans, Spurs, and is that it? Yeah, I think, I think that's so. it. So, so that's really taking another like four and a half hours. We're good. We're right on track. Exactly. We're right. We're right on pace. By the time uh, you finish this opening night, will have started. And congratulations, y'all. No, okay. Let's uh, let's go with the Lakers up real quick. Um, so in a trade up, uh, they acquired Alfonso McKinney and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Dennis Schroeder obviously being the much much bigger uh, bigger signing there. Um, or yeah. trade piece there. Exactly. Um, free agency. Uh, Marcus Saul, Montrez Harrow, and Wesley Matthews. Harrow came with much of the fanfare, obviously leaving the Clippers, and you know just being hyped up cool dude that dunks a lot, but Marc Gasol um, I think is a, is a really good signing for them, and Wesley Matthews is someone else who is a replacement for who they lost. First of all, Danny Green traded uh, to Philadelphia, ultimately from Oklahoma City. Uh, he was sent to Oklahoma City in the deal that brought in Dennis Shooter. Uh, JaVel McGee was Cleveland to make room for Gasol. Dwight Howard left as a free agent to Philadelphia, but not before some classic uh, Dwight Howard hijinks. Although, to his credit, it wasn't Dwight Howard's fault. Uh, just a classic miscommunication. Uh, glad he won himself a ring first. Avery Bradley went to Miami. Rajon Rondo went to Atlanta. J.R. Smith, uh, probably end of line for uh, J.R. Swish, but it's been a, a blast. Um, and Deion Waiters uh, is a free agent still. Uh, who stayed? Costas Antetokounmpo, although now with Giannis and the Supermax, I don't know how much longer he is in L.A. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, come um, on. Devontae <laughs> Kaycock. I know, I had to. I had to. I had to. Listen. Devontae Kaycock, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, re-signed Alex Caruso, Quinn Cook, Anthony Davis, Jared Dudley, Taylor Horton Tucker, the MVP of the preseason. Of course, LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma, as well as Marquise Morris. Also, uh, just programming stuff, I guess. Not even really programming, but like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma all signed extension. Anthony Davis, the max one because he was a free agent. Uh, LeBron James just extended his contract. Same with Kuzma. I thought we'd throw that in there. So looking at all these guys. Again, I'm going to let you kind of go whatever direction you want to go with here uh, for the Lakers. But 
I'm gonna start with this one question. Did the rich get richer, Justin? <laughs> yeah, the rich got richer. Um, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I like LeBron, obviously, but I, I just, I'm not gonna ever root for the Lakers. But yeah, this team got better. It's a shame. Um, it's a real shame that you said that. But okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not actively anti-Laker. How about that? I'm just That's not fair. actively pro-Laker. Fair. I could take that. That's fair. But yeah. Anyway, a lot of additions for this team this year. Um, again, I think bringing back Contavious Caldwell Pope was important. You know, maybe that, maybe a slight overpay there, but you know, proved his value in the playoffs this year. You know what he can do. Um, obviously signing Anthony Davis to an extension was huge. Um, it, it seemed like he might do a two plus one so that he could end up getting the Supermax in a few years. He opted to just go for the full five years. So, you know, the Lakers should take that as a win. Um, obviously Marcus Gasol was a really fantastic signing for as cheap as he was. Um, basically got him, you know, two years, five million essentially. So, you know, that, that's fantastic value for Marcus Gasol. Um, even the player that he is now, which maybe he dropped off a little bit in the bubble. Maybe he didn't watch it. We'll have to see what he is in, you know, in normal basketball, in a, in a normal setting this year. So, you know, but I, I love that signing. Even if they did have to give up JaVale in a second to get him, I think that's an upgrade. Um, obviously, getting Montrose Harrell was nice for them. I've seen a lot of people say that they don't like the fit with Montrose Harrell there. I don't really understand why. Because I Me think if you, if you look at his defense, like, yeah, it's bad. But I think Marc Gasol is still a high-level defender. Obviously, Anthony Davis is still a high-level defender. Um, you can play him next to LeBron. You can play him next to Marquise. And obviously, those aren't the best defensive lineups in the world. You know, the LeBron, when he's engaged, is better. But, um, like, yes, you're not the super huge hawking, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, how are we going to score on these guys? They're so huge, Lakers, as they were last year with Dwight and JaVale. But, like, I still think they're fine. And I think that what Montrezl Harrell gives them is different. And, you know, mm-hmm. really – it's going to be something that they didn't have last year with just that monster rebounding ability and finishing ability. So I think, well, I mean, I shouldn't say they didn't have that. They had Anthony Davis, but coming off. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know exactly where you're coming from, Justin, for sure. That, that, that size that's coming off a bench that plays bigger than his size, but also plays as a big, you know, Marky Moore spaced the four as a three a lot. Um, uh, he spaced the four out from three. He did not play the three, but you have someone in Montrez who will be a beast on the boards, who will be someone who picks and rolls hard to the basket, bring some more vertical um, spacing from that end in a way that's probably more dynamic uh, than even the guys we had last year who did a decent job on that in Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Yeah. Looking at some of the other additions that we made, um, I thought Wesley Matthews was another high-quality signing. Um, you know, was a starting wing for the Bucks last year, can still shoot the ball, can still defend a little bit. So I think having him, you know, in there as just another wing, you know, at, at a position of, of needing the league, getting a, a nice swing for 3.6 mil is a great pickup. Um, I don't, I honestly, I don't hate the, the Alfonso McKinney signing or not signing, but addition is great. Yeah, acquisition. I, yeah. Yeah. Like that's just another solid perimeter defender who isn't going to be asked to do a whole bunch. You know, he, he's on a very team friendly contract. He has two completely non-guaranteed minimum seasons after this. So if, you know, they decide to move on from him, they can very easily. And obviously bringing in Dennis Schroeder too. Um, I think that's definitely an upgrade over Rondo. Um, you know, again, not the best shooter in the world, but someone who can create his own shot in the backcourt, which I think is going to be really important. Um, and just it, it brings a little bit of offseason, or offseason, a little bit of regular season punch for this team. 
whereas you know they did not have that with a guy like Rondo. And especially if you know you have guys like LeBron resting a little bit more, you're going to need someone to pick up the load a little bit on that end. So I think that having Dennis Schroeder, even at the expense of losing Danny Green, was another really, really nice pickup. I think that Wesley Matthews, while he's not as good as Danny Green, does a, a solid enough job of replacing him there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like him as well. Someone who, you know, stout defensively, once in a while will do something that he probably shouldn't with the ball, but someone who, you know, I think defensively is stout, uh, knows his role, will play it really well. Uh, you know, not not a perfect Danny Green replacement, but I think Danny Green was fading just a little bit. And when you have a chance to get someone with that type of money, you know, two-thirds of the player at like one-third, one-fifth of the cost, I think you do that. Um and ultimately, I think it'll work out well. I don't really have too many major thoughts on the Lakers, aside from thinking that, yes, they did get better. Uh, a lot of the offensive mileage now can, as far as the load, will be taken off of both uh, LeBron and AD, because I do think you have in Schroeder and Harrell, the engine of a good team, as far as as well as a connected tissue of a passer like Marcus Saul and someone who, you know, can space the floor effectively in a Wesley Matthews. So I think that they made some drastic changes. The most changes I remember from a championship team since like the 2011, 2012 Mavericks. But like these changes were mostly with positive, uh, weren't at all initiated from the lack to re-sign players and swim for big free agent fish. And I think they made the signings that mattered, uh, signing your two stars long-term uh, and really starting to transition to build around Anthony Davis. So I'm on board with this and I'm a, I think that's the smoothest transition we're going to get to uh, Memphis. Look at us taking some decent time now. Uh, let's break down the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, they acquired, he's gone now, no longer with them, but they had acquired by trade Mario Zonia. So I am still a card holder for the church of Zonia. Right now it is under lockdown, but it will rise again. Uh, Desmond Bain was drafted 30th overall. Xavier Tillman, 35th. Free agency signings, uh, Killian Tilly, uh, undrafted two-way. Sean McDermott, undrafted two-way. And Jalil Tripp, um, as well. Who they lost, Josh Jackson, Anthony Tolliver, Utah Watanabe. Who's staying? Grayson Allen, Utah. That's not all. Utah Watanabe. Oh my gosh! Utah Watanabe is what I said. Remember that, Joe? I actually don't remember that. <laughs> Say it one more time for me, man. Utah Watanabe. All right, I'm gonna be fully transparent, as you can probably tell. I probably heard that like twice. That's a shame. Okay. And I've watched a few <laughs> games, but like not a lot with them. That's embarrassing. We might edit it out. We probably won't. Um, with that being said, who's staying? Um, <laughs> Grayson Allen, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, Gorgie Jang, Marco Goodrich, uh, Jaron Jackson, John Conchar. I said that right. Conchar, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, John Morant, Jonte Porter, Jonas Valanciunas, Jonas Valanciunas, and Justice Winslow. Basically, their entire team stayed, um, with the exception of some deep bench pieces and the draft picks. What do you feel about Memphis, Justin? Do you think that what they did last year was like a one-time blip with a week back in the Western Conference, or do you think that um, they can really then might make the playoffs this year as well, or potentially make the playoffs this year as well? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, overall, I, I like the offseason that they had. Like, I'm not against it. They got Xavier Tillman, and I really, really like Desmond Baines a lot. I think that was a great, you know, addition at the end of the first round. But um, overall, I think this team is going to struggle out of the gate just because we don't know how long it's going to be until they get, you know, a full-strength Jaron Jackson Jr. back. And I think that's really going to be a problem for this team, um, not having him in there. And they, they have Brandon Clark, who's going to, you know, give them some quality minutes in his replacement. 
but um, overall, I, I expect another, you know, very great year from John Morant. But, you know, he can only do so much without that guy next to him. So I think this team will take a slight step back. Um, you know, not as as much to talk about with this team. You know, they had a pretty quiet offseason. But um, I, I liked their offseason. I don't think it was a bad one. Um, they're still going to pay Dion Waiters $12.5 million this year. So there's that. You don't have your mic muted again, do you? Uh, no, I was clearing my throat, but I did have the mute because I was saying, oh. "Yeah, boy, Philly okay. cheese," and I started coughing, so it worked out well. Oh. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, my friend. Not yet. <laughs> okay. No, but um, I should more to add. My fault there. Uh, no, I'm with you. I it was solid. I do think that what happened uh this year was was nice. You know, but I don't know if it's sustainable, at least for this season. I still think they're a year and some change away. Uh, they will get that chance because they will not make the playoffs this year, in my mind. I And I don't mean make the playoffs this year as if they made it last year, but they're in the playoff game, play-in game last year. I don't even think they'll be in the play-in game this year. So that's just my thoughts there. Um, in terms of the players to watch, I mean, I, 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 I like, obviously, I think it begins and ends with John Morant and, and Jaron Jackson Jr., but I like some of those other young pieces that they have around them. Always been a part of Tyus Jones. Uh, really interested to see how Desmond Bain looks in this because I'm also someone who uh, likes him pretty pretty, pretty good as much, uh, pretty good as well. Um, still got slow-mo Kyle Anderson up in there too. I do think that losing Josh Jackson was rough. I think he had, I mean, it's not going to be something that really shows up. I mean, the dude is at the right now fringe NBA player, but I think he showed some real potential, um, in Memphis last season. And I do think that having another guy that could possibly be something, again, it's a former lottery pick. Uh, it's still very soon to kind of cut ties with them, I thought, but you know, they did what they thought was best, and they got some guys now that, I mean, he'd be fighting for minutes with anyway and probably lose to. So I'm with you on that. I really don't think there's a lot more to add. Uh, they'll be in the bottom half of the West, but they have a plethora of young talent that can all grow together. There is plenty of time in Memphis. I just want to mention real quick, you mentioned that you're impartial to Tyus Jones. I'm impartial with Kyle Anderson. That's one of my favorite players in the league. Oh, so we got some people now. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. He is someone. His, 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 he plays a different beat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I love it. He's like Some people hate watching him play. I absolutely love it. He has one of the most unique play styles in the league, and he's, for me, a joy to watch. I love him. Yeah, he, he's gonna. He's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see um, these guys come together. Again, he's now a vet on this group. I mean, he's been a vet, but like he's an old guy, even though he's still, what, 27, 28? with this group yeah. of youngsters, so that's kind of funny to see. But, um, yeah, let's go on to Minnesota now. Uh, moves they made. We're just oh, moving along here. Yes, yeah, so, acquired by trade, Ed Davis, uh, basically from New York uh, after being through Utah. Ricky Rubio uh, from OKC after being traded by Phoenix. You mean Rick they Rubio? Draft? Rick, Rick, I said Rick, <laughs> oh, my God, Rick it's Rubio. just Rick now. Just this Rick. is Rick. No, just, just, just Rick. Rick. Just Rick Rubio. Rick Rubio. Rick Rubio. Okay. <laughs> they drafted Anthony Edwards first overall. Leandro Bomaro, 23rd. Jaden McDaniels, 28th. Uh, free agency, Tyler Cook from Denver. Ashton Hagens, uh, undrafted two-way. Uh, Aiden Murky, undrafted. And they had signed, uh, Ryan, or they had also brought on Rondé House Jefferson, but he's, waived his, uh, he's been waived. Uh, who they lost? James Johnson, Alan Crabb, Kevin Martin. 
Jordan McLaughlin, Evan Turner, Amari Spellman, Jacob Evans. And who stayed, ultimately, Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jake Lehman, Jalen Noel, uh, Josh Koji, Nas Reed, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns. The first thing that stands out to me when I see the Minnesota Timberwolves is wings, wings, wings. Uh, and not actually a standard three on this team. Uh, unless you count Jared Culver as just a pure three. You have Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, Jared Culver, Josh Okoji, all in that kind of shooting guard, swingman position. You have uh, good point guard uh, depth, I guess, between two guys soaking up all those minutes in D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio. Uh, and then you have uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez playing the four. Jake Lehman can also play the three and the four. Uh, Nas Reed can play the four and the five. Carlton Towns is a five. And then Jared Vanderbilt's in there as well. Like, what do you think about this team construction, just how they're all looking? I think that Jake Lehman is a natural three. Like, I think he, you know, he's, I think he's the guy there. Yeah, I think I yeah I say three four because I think he can play the four two, but he play, he can play the three. I don't know if I like naturally put him there like as your starting three. But I mean, well, I, I wouldn't I, put I him as your starting, but I think like his natural position is small forward. I would say. Okay, I'm with you on that. I mean, I I, I can see I see him playing some of the four and just not being the fleetest of foot maybe, but at the same time, yeah, like yeah. That's, that's that's what I look at when I when I see three. But at the same time, size wise, shooting ability, yeah. You know, I, I just I see him more as like that three four dude than just a pure three. But I can see where you're coming from for that's sure. Fair. That's mm-hmm. fair. But yeah, what are your what are oh, your thoughts at all on these guys? Yeah, we got a lot crazy. to get into here. This is gonna be sure do. the Timberwolves are a doozy. Okay. Um man. Can I start with just Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Yeah, let, like, let, what are the Timberwolves doing with Hans? Like, that it was like he came in here and played great on a non-guaranteed camp deal, and was like your best defender on a team that is horrible on defense outside of like Jarrett Culver and Josh Okogie. This guy yeah. plays a position of need. He is a power forward on a team that doesn't have that many power forwards. You have Juancho. I think Nasri is more of a five. You know, Jake Layman can soak up some minutes there. You know, Jared, Jared Vanderbilt probably isn't going to play this year. What mm-hmm. on earth are you doing? How are you not finding a way to keep this guy on your team? I just don't understand. I like, I couldn't tell you, man. I don't understand it okay, myself. So like, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, who, who did, did they keep anybody out of, like, Ade Murky, um, Tyler Cook, or Charles Brown Jr.? Like, uh, you, like, no, I, not that I remember, I have, yeah. Like, maybe they can, well, like, you had, you had, you did not have to waive Rondé Howells Jefferson. You didn't. He's on a minimum contract, and you had a roster spot for him, I believe. Like, again, I'd have to look and see to make sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, what are you doing? This dude is instantly your best front court defender. Yeah. And you just get rid of him. Like, are you trying to lose this year? Is that your plan? Because if that's your plan... Why are you going out and getting Ricky Rubio? Why exactly. You... Uh, because you got to welcome him home. You got to welcome him home. Yeah, sentimental value and nothing more, I guess. Exactly. But... Uh, I, I don't understand it. I mean, you, you don't even have your pick. That's at Golden State. So you would think you'd want to contend. Even uh, if you'd made the best of moves, you would still be hard-pressed to make that eighth seed which is where you'd be more than likely leaning with just how deep that Western Conference is. You have absolutely no defense at this point. I'm not the hugest Hernan Gomez fan. Uh, he had a great 12-game stint for Minnesota, uh, just as well as Malik Beasley. 
Um, well, Malik Beasley was a lot more just uh, explosive, and he has his own issues to deal with. Um, but with that being said, I just don't know if you say, okay, I'd take him over a guy like Ronnie Hotless Jefferson, who's the one guy who wouldn't need the bone offense, the one guy who would play scrappy defense, a vet alongside a Ricky Rubio who's been around the league a couple times and knows what it takes to work hard and, and to bring those intangibles to the team. Someone who can play some of the tougher matchups, small ball five, can bring some rim gravity as a ro- rim rolling four, you know, gobble up some rebounds. I mean, you let all that go for a guy in Hernan Gomez who's okay. But, like, I don't – I mean, I mentioned everything for uh, Hollis Jefferson. I don't know if I'd put all of that on Hernan Gomez. And I, I think now you put yourself in a position where it's like, yeah, he's a decent dude. I, I don't know. I mean, even looking at it, they looked they, – they made Hernan Gomez from what it looked like reading about the Minnesota offseason. Like, he was priority. You know what I mean? They were looking at Derrick Jones Jr. They were looking at other power forwards. They weren't able to get those guys, and then they went back to Hernan Gomez. And then you have a chance to get someone in uh, Hollis Jefferson on a just – uh, on the cheap, 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 and then you go, nah, we're good. Nah, like what are you? I, I just, I don't understand that at all. Like, again, yeah, it's lo- it's lost I, to you and me, my friend. It's confusing. Uh, it's another. It's again. We, I, if we had kept a running tally, and I should have of teams that we look at and go, what were you doing? Like, why did you do this? This is yet another team that would go on that list. Yeah, join the Milwaukee Bucks and the just what on earth was that move club but anyway yeah you said it looking at some of the other moves that they made um i actually i like Juancho, um and i think especially on this team they needed someone like him who can just play power forward for an extended period of time and i think they got him on a very good deal um three years uh making roughly seven million a year uh, the last year completely non-guaranteed so i think that's a very like i think that's actually a pretty good value contract there um, you know, someone who can shoot. Um, and again, just if nothing else, can just soak up minutes and not be bad there. Like, especially now that Rondé Hollis Jefferson isn't there, they're going to need a lot of Juancho Hernan Gomez. So, yeah, exactly. you know, the other extension is the guy they got last season in Malik Beasley. Um, obviously, Malik Beasley has had a ton of off court issues this offseason, which really was a big disappointment for me because I was someone who was a really big fan of Malik Beasley and the game that he played. Um, I always thought he was, you know, one of those guys that was primed to break out in Denver, just never got the opportunity, got that opportunity in Minnesota and really proved himself and then kind of blew all that away this offseason. That being said, I think having him for 13, 15, 15 and a half and 16 and a half, like Mm -hmm. despite the off-court issues, I think like, that's a good contract. Like, that's actually a very – I think that's fantastic value, like, to be completely honest for Malik Beasley. Um, and it, 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 it's not as good because of the team that he's on and just the, the crowded, you know, position that he's playing here as an offensive-minded wing kind of, or just yeah. an offensive-minded guard, really. You know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like his impact is going to be limited, and that hurts the value of the contract a little bit. But overall, I think that's about what he's worth as a player in general. But, again, like – the fact that, you know, all the offseason issues that he's had, that also kind of knocks it down. So that makes it a little bit more concerning. Um, they they brought back Ricky Rubio, um, who's a fine player, but he's making $17 million this season and $18 million next when you already have, you know, D'Angelo Russell, who I'm not the, the biggest fan of here. Like, he's fine. You know, they yeah. obviously are obsessed with him here. But I like, love him myself. If you're, if you're, if if you're that invested in him, why go get Ricky Rubio when was did they trade him for James Johnson? Like again, another guy who was on an expiring contract 
and who plays that same position of power forward that you needed. And you, you got rid of that guy for a talent upgrade in Ricky Rubio. And again, you welcome the guy home. But like, is that really better for this team than what James Johnson would have been? I don't really know. You know, looking at everything uh, as far as fit and, you know, defensive capabilities, I think Ricky Rubio is a fine defender. But overall, just another one of those moves that didn't yeah. make a ton of sense to me just because, like, I don't like the fit of Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell together that much. And, like I said, I just think he's getting paid a lot to be a backup, and I don't really like that, especially on long-term money. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it, at, it's, it's it's a weird fit. It's a weird fit. The lack of direction. It's like Minnesota was going in, like, four different directions. And ultimately, they were playing um, – uh, what's that game? Um, musical chairs and the music stopped and they grabbed three chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, looking at their draft, uh, again, you know, it, here's another thing I don't understand. Fine, Anthony Edwards, upside play, whatever, I get it. But again, with you it. Know, like, you have Malik Beasley, you have other guys who play the position. Like, again, it's just a little bit of overlap for me. Um, I think they probably, if I were this team, again, I didn't love LaMelo Ball for this team because they had D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, they take Anthony Edwards, it's like, you know, okay, I get it. They're totally all in on D'Angelo Russell. You know, that's the guy that they want to have there. They don't want to, you know, crowd up that front court with another, you know, super dominant ball handler. And then they go and get Ricky Rubio. And it's like, if you were just going to go get Ricky Rubio, why did you just save yourself that move and take Anthony Edwards, who I thought was the better player? Um, and I, that's not to say that Anthony Edwards can't become something, but like this dude is like second in the league behind Andrew Wiggins as far as like, and eh, does this guy really want to be here? Like, is he really going to play hard? Does he really try, you know, does he have the best motor? Does like, it's just, I don't know. It's just another one of those moves that, you know, it's not the worst in the world. A lot of people had Anthony Edwards at, at the top of their board. Obviously the Timberwolves did too. Um, might have the highest upside, even if there's a small chance that he reaches it. But overall, yeah, just just a weird offseason in a lot of ways. You know, other than that, they they got Jaden McDaniels. Um, I think that's an upside play. I, I'm fine with it. You know, he's someone who can kind of play that three four a little bit more of a four, I think. But you know, he's going to be fine. He's not going to play a ton this year. And Ed Davis, who is a five million dollar you know, find backup center. So, you know, that move, I, I don't have any strong opinion on. It's okay. Like you said, it really comes down to what was the plan? Why are they doing what they're doing? What are they hoping to get out of this? I like Anthony Edwards. I'm high on, I mean, he's just my type of guy from a, from a player profile type of, of, of stance, which says a lot about myself as a basketball fan, but also, you know, shot creator. You, you nailed it. That is my bread and butter. And you know this, Justin. You know this. So with that being said, I mean, I think there is some potential there. I'm very high on him. Uh, I think for me, it was I'm, I'm high on him just because I like his type of creation. I think that some of it's undervalued because most of it wasn't efficient. But I think that there is somebody there. With that being said, on the team he's on right now, unless he's playing to three, which I think you kind of have to put him at right now, especially with signing Malik Beasley, it is um, interesting, to say the least. Also... I, I think I'm even more high on Edwards because I don't think uh, Wiseman wouldn't have been a fit. And I, I, as much as I think it's a funky fit with having Anthony, Malik, and D'Angelo together, I think it would just be a non-existent nasty fit having LaMelo and D'Angelo. And you make the trade. Let's say you do bring in Ricky Rubio. I just don't think that would have worked. Um, so I'm okay with it. Well, I, still, I, I think if they draft LaMelo, there's no chance they'd bring in Ricky Rubio. 
But, like, if their plan was to, like, have two high-usage, high-minute point guards, why not just draft LaMelo Ball and forget Ricky Rubio? I, I think because you can talk yourself with Ricky Rubio at this stage of his career and him playing being a bench player coming off the bench, whereas if you drafted LaMelo, it's coming... expensive bench player. It is, but I think the, that is better than the alternative, which is possibly irking D'Angelo Russell, who the Minnesota is high on by drafting what I would guess. seem like his successor um, with D'Angelo just being 25 um, and LaMelo being 19. You know what I mean? Like It's like you didn't draft I us guess. to play together, so that would be the thought process, I think. I guess. I'm still not I, yeah. I, I guess it makes some sense. Yeah, you know, I know what you mean. It doesn't, it doesn't make doesn't... sense, but it makes more sense than, like, like there, there was one good move here to do nothing, and then there were two bad moves, and I guess they chose the slightly lesser bad move, you know, of the two. But still, like, I would have rather had just not done anything there. <laughs> yeah, and just been chill with it. No, I understand that perfectly. It makes That makes a lot of sense. With that being said, where do you see uh, the closing on Minnesota in their plethora of confusing moves that ultimately make anything? I mean, I'll be watching. They're a league pass team. Offensively, they're going to be fun as hell. Uh, defensively, they're going to be horrible. Uh, there's going to be a mess. Uh, Coach Sanders might lose his job. It's 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 just gonna, it's not going to be good on that front. Um, but like, where do you see Minnesota finishing? Dead last, uh, top three last, a fun team that might be just on the outside looking in, like twelfth. Where do you have them? Probably not worse than OKC, but not much better than anyone else. Yikes! Not worse than OKC is how you start a projection. You know that you have failed as a franchise if you're trying to win. Um, but yes, I'm with you on that front. Um, and with but that, I mean, in the Sacramento tier. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's it's not it's not exactly pretty for them. Um, and it's a shame. I guess if they were hoping for, de- I just don't think they were hoping for development. I think when you bring in a 30 year old Ricky Rubio, when you have two guys that are approaching their primes in a Carlton Towns, in a D'Angelo Russell, that you're not looking to. I mean, I'm sorry, Malik Beasley's 24, going on 25 too. In these kind of guys, like you're not looking to be another team just languishing in the back half of the Western Conference, and yet here they will be. All right. Let's go to the New Orleans Pelicans. Wow. Um, real quick. Who they acquired in a trade, Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Uh, they drafted Kyra Lewis Jr., 13th. Uh, free agency, just the big ones. I mean, what? Wayne and Gabriel, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, they have a bunch of two-way guys. I'll just name them. Uh, I don't even know if they're still on the team at this point with all the cuts. But Brisbane Bullets on a two-way. I mean, I know he's there. Uh, Nahi Marshall was undrafted two-way. Uh, Gerard Uthoff, I said that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, from Washington. Who they lost. Drew Holiday was traded to Milwaukee in that massive deal. Darius Miller was traded to OKC. Jaloka Ford went to Detroit in free agency. Derek Favors went to Utah in free agency. Uh, Zillin Cheatham, uh, Cheatham was traded to OKC, then waived. Josh Gray was traded to OKC, then waived. Frank Jackson went in free agency to OKC and was just waived uh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think as we were recording, it was announced yeah. that Frank Jackson was waived. Yep. See, oh, I wait. just... I said exactly. I've said in my brain today, yesterday, to get the listeners ready. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I don't know if you checked Twitter. I don't know if you checked what Shams has said. What? But oh boy, I cannot wait to get to the Phoenix Suns. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm a, I'm, 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 right I'm refreshing right now. Uh, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to the wow. Another roster, another roster. Yes, let's let's keep going. Wow. All right, that's funny. Um, 
Frank Jackson, we already talked about him. Eton Moore went to Phoenix again. We'll talk about them very soon. And Kendrick Williams was traded to OKC. Uh, who stayed? Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Ike uh, Agnibogu, yep. Lonzo Ball, Tony Carr, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, Brendan Ingram, Nicola Melli, J.J. Redick, Sindarius Thornwell, and, of course, the great Zion Williamson. Looking at this team, they're another team like Minnesota that is kind of confusing to me. They seem light on wings, although they did keep the one that mattered in Brandon Ingram. Um, I don't know if I feel super high about their guards. They have a big extension. Well, it's over now, and he did not get extended, although apparently both sides are optimistic about uh, free agency, uh, and that is Lonzo Ball. But what do you think about the Pelicans and where they hope to stand? By the way, another move that wasn't on the transaction sheet, but new coach Stan Van Gundy. They're a weird team. They really are. Um, you said it. You know, for as, as big of a fan as I've been of David Griffin, you know, throughout his tenure of you know with the Cavs and now with the Pelicans, I I question some of the moves he made here. Um, and I think overall, like they got some talented guys, but I, again, it's just you know we saw with Philly last year how talented were they and how much how big of underachievers were they just because none of it fit together. I feel like you kind of have the same problem here. Where you know your big offseason additions, outside of you know Kyra Lewis, who we'll get to in a minute, were you know Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, like two guys. Yeah, who these guys that are yeah don't fit that well next to Zion, who don't fit that well next to Lonzo. Like you know Brandon Ingram can fit with you know most players, but overall, like just the, is their starting lineup. Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Stephen Adams? Yeah, pretty much. Because in that That's lineup, your second best shooter is Lonzo Ball. Yeah, Woo-hoo. although he's made some strides shooting the three. I mean, he hasn't he made that has, many. But, like, he, he's made strides, but he's the second best shooter in your starting lineup. Yeah, he's no J.J. Redick, who's coming off your bench, by the way. No, no. Yeah, thank the Lord that they have J.J. Redick here because he's going to save some of their spacing. But yeah, overall, like I like Steve Adams as a player. Like I think he's cool. Like he's a great guy, obviously, and you know can can provide a lot for a team. But overall, and they extended him for two years at seventeen million and eighteen million for the next two seasons after this one. Yeah, that's uh, wild. Seven mil this year. Like I think that's a bit of an overpay, even though he is a good player. He's going to be getting a little bit older by the tail end of that. I'm not sure if he's going to be worth that. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just, again, Eric Bledsoe is another guy who has some talent but is going to be making quite a bit of money here and, again, just isn't a fit and has proven that he can't really play in the playoffs. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. If if this team makes the playoffs, you know, if, if he can make it through a preseason without wetting the bed – or a postseason without wetting the bed, sorry. But yeah. Overall, you know, I mean, they, they still have some – some floor spacers in, in Josh Hart and J.J. Redick and Nicolo Melli. So, you know, there are still guys here. Um, you know, you talk about kind of being thin on the wing. They definitely are. Um, I think, you know, we might see some Cinderius Thornwell minutes this year. That's a good wing defender, even if he doesn't have an offensive game. Um, up, yeah. I, I like the – I'm not opposed to the Willie Hernan Gomez, Hernan Gomez signing, just as, you know, another center on this team behind – Steven Adams and Jackson Hayes, uh, I think that's fine. Uh, we'll see what type of progress Nikhil Alexander-Walker can make this year. You know, that's someone who definitely seems to have some upside. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have to see if it ever really pans out. Maybe it happens this year, maybe it doesn't. But, again, definitely a team to keep an eye on. But they're just – they're weird. 
they're they're like the Sixers of last year as far as talent and fit are concerned. Yeah, with just much less of the hype and also much less of the optimism outside of Zion, 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 and also Brandon Ingram because Brandon, Brandon Ingram made a leap. Brandon Ingram made a leap. Yeah, I really I've been high on the dude to begin with. Again, he had fit the profile of inefficient a shot guy, but he actually got more efficient in his last year in LA and raised that up even to another level. Um with um the Pelicans last year. And so I'm excited to see his leap. I'm excited to see how well he meshed to Zion moving forward. That is the official uh, the, the the future um just in general. Uh and that extension shows it, but just how well they mesh together is going to go a long way into figuring out how um good this team's going to be. And Steven Adams, like you said, that contract at the back end it's not going to look so good. He's already 27. But I mean his game and it's still a poor fit, but his game isn't obviously predicated just on the stat sheet. I mean the dude for his career 9.7 rebounds. He's just a gamer. Gets out there, gives everything he can. You know, just does a little bit of. I want to say a little bit of everything. That's not exactly true, but he does uh, enough uh, for the contract that he's on. Yeah. Not nearly enough, but um, you know, I. I, 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 I uh, 9.7 rebounds while playing next to Russell Westbrook for the majority of his career. I mean, listen, Russell Westbrook, though, as we know, is one of the best rebounding guards in NBA history. So, okay. So, I'm actually, not that. I'm just saying, like, he takes no, he, he take rebounds away from, from Stephen Adams. So, that's you know, true. Although, next traditional point guard, you know, like, his, his numbers career-wise would be better than that. Mason Plumlee and, and, and role players like that should look at that because Stephen Adams may have done that, and the dude still got paid. Yeah. You know what I mean, he still got his money. Even while letting Russell Westbrook do what he had to do. I mean, listen, when you're surrounded yeah. by greatness, I would have done the same thing. No, I'm playing. But all things considered, you're right. Like, he could have done a lot more. And without Russell last year, I don't think he rebounded as well as I would have expected. You know what I mean? Like, for all the takes of, oh, Russell was stealing rebounds for him, he averaged less rebounds, percentage points, um, last season than he did the one before. I mean, literally, it was 9.5 to 9.3, but literally nothing changed. So I don't know how much of that is just him rebounding, uh, you know, the scheme, whatever the case may be in terms of him being on the glass as much. But I do, I mean, if it happens another year like that, I, I say we throw out the Russell impact argument altogether. I don't think we throw it out altogether because I think oh, as he gets come a little on, bit older, his impact on that end is just going to be a little bit less. But 27, I mean, Andre Drummond can gobble like 43 rebounds. I'm not saying okay, they're at all the well, same player, but you know what I mean? I'm like, not he's saying that he's like slowing down as a player, but like he's not quite the athlete as he may have been at, you know, 24. Yeah, like, well, I think, no. I, I don't think you can debate that, like, he was, you know, his rebounding numbers were at least slightly impacted by Russell Westbrook. And I'm not oh. saying that's a bad thing. Like, as long as you get the rebound, it, it's fine. You know, you get the rebound. But, like, if, if you take, like, you know, young Steven Adams and put him on a team without Russell Westbrook, I think his rebounding numbers are higher. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm agreeing like, to say that they're impacted like, slightly. <laughs> I, I'm uh, not going to say that like, this is a knock on Russell Westbrook. Like I said, as long as you get the rebound, it's fine. You know, yeah, like, no, good. like if, he, if, if Russell Westbrook is grabbing it, great, that's whatever. It's just, you know, I think that you look at, you know, that career average rebounding number, and I think you, you have to understand that somebody that he played with there as far as, you know, looking at just the, the pure raw numbers. Yeah, he played with a superior rebounder. No, I, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. All, all jokes aside, I get exactly where you're coming from. I still, I guess, tend to believe that it wouldn't be impacted as much. I just don't see him as this double-double machine. I, I just don't see it out of, you know, maybe he has, 
you know, maybe it goes over 10. I can agree with that. It'll go over, it'll go over nine rebounds a game. It'll go to like 10, maybe 11. I just don't see him as that type of guy just at all. Um, and maybe it's being hard to put down my rust colored shades. I will admit <laughs> to that. But like just object, even watching him last year, like I, I didn't expect it to bounce up that much when Russell was gone last year. I just don't see that I'm that type of guy. And he also doesn't seem to be, he seems to be perfectly willing to, you know, rebound what he can, but he's not like a bored monster in that way, at least from what I've seen. But I'm with you. It, 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 you know, he definitely had some impact. That it's going to be interesting to see how he does here because now you're playing with guys like Brandon Ingram who can sneak in and get some, like Zion, who you know will get some. Um, again, we'll see how it looks uh, on this team. But, I mean, I think we I think we, 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 we put a whole lot on a weird team like the Pelicans. Uh, I think it was good that they were able to move on from Drew Holiday. Uh, you know, he was... Uh, Oh, nice. they got a haul for Drew Holiday. Yeah, exactly. He was a nice piece for them, a good couple of years. He gave them a. He was uh, probably the longest tenured uh, Pelican after being moved. I'm pretty sure it's off the top of the head. But like you yeah. said, they got an absolute haul. Um, it was totally worth it for them. He's on a contending team. All's well that ends well. And with that, we will go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who, oh my gosh, between transactions and names, I am not surprised when my throat is hoarse. Um, but let's talk about it. Acquired in trade, uh, Trevor Reza. I'm just going to say where they came from. I mean, this, I'm just going to say who they are, not where they came from. Some of these are just too convoluted. Trevor Reza, George Hill, Al Horford, Justin Jackson, Ty Jerome, TJ Leaf, Darius Miller, uh, Admiral Schofield, and Kenrich Williams. Uh, who they drafted, Alexei uh, Poshusevsky. I said that right? Poshusevsky. Po- 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 yeah, I butchered these names. 17th overall. Theo Maladon, 34th overall. Vit Krejci, 37th overall. Uh, free agent signed uh, with Moses Brown on a two-way. Josh Hall undrafted two-way. Frank Jackson, who they let go, of course, uh, yesterday. Uh, who left? Who they lost? Chris Paul traded to Phoenix. Dennis Schroeder traded to the Lakers. Abdul Nair to Phoenix. Stephen Adams to New Orleans. Deontay Burden, free agent. Danilo Gallinari to Atlanta. Devon Hall, free agent. Kevin Hervey. Uh, Nerlens Noel went to New York. Andre Roberson, who I was surprised wasn't brought back. LiAngelo Ball and uh, the aforementioned uh, Vit Creehy. Um, I'm butchering that name. Y'all don't sue me because that's what people say. And I'm not going to say it. Uh, who stayed Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, Lugens, Dort, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Mike Muscala, and Isaiah Roby. So you have this young team, including Baisley, Diallo, Dort, Alexander, uh, uh, Justin Jackson, Ty Jerome, uh, Pokusevsky, uh, Williams. You got these guys. You also got guys like Ariza and uh, George Hill on this team. I mean, easily, this team is going to be at the very bottom of the Western Conference, and it was done entirely by design. I don't really have too much more to add about this OKC team, aside from what a rebuild they are undergoing, how many picks they've been able to acquire in just two short years. Uh, Some young guys who I'm excited to watch include Alexander, who will be getting all the minutes and all the points. Can Hamadou Diallo gain a jump shot and do more on the ball? How does Dort look? How does Bayesley continue to evolve? Those are my points for the Thunder. And now I toss it to you, Justin. Yeah, obviously, like you said, this team is, has made this roster this way by design. Um, they're entering, you know, a full-on rebuild. Um, took a million flyers on young guys. Um, <laughs> Seriously. You know, we mentioned some of them. I, I, I like, you know, the guys they got in the draft. Um Alexei Pokoshevsky and Theo Maladon in particular, I thought were really good pickups. Um, I think Theo Maladon is going to, I, I, I thought he might go a little bit higher. He, he didn't, but um, like I, I, I thought he could have been like a, a early to mid twenties guy. 
Honestly, oh, wow. like, I think that they got good value on him there. Um, obviously, we'll have to see what Alexei Pokoshevsky is. Um, you know, I mean, with a guy like that, like, when you're, again, you're just taking flyers on as many young guys as humanly possible. Why not take a high upside swing like that? It's not like, you know, you're limited on draft picks and, you you know, this guy's, you know, the end-all be-all as far as, you know, the state, your, the, the state of your franchise moving forward. Like, they have a million picks. Why not take big swings? Mm-hmm. You know, if this guy works out, then that's amazing. And if not, you know, well, it was fun while it lasted. Um, the guy is just a freak in general, um, watching him play. And he's had some really good moments and some really bad ones, just an awkward yep. player overall. Bad but again, moments. you know, it's, it's going to be an awkward year for this team in general. Um, they got some other young guys. They got, you know, Ty Jerome is an interesting one for them, you know, just as another got peace for this team moving forward. We'll see if he becomes something. Justin Jackson is a solid enough wing. Um, I like the additions of some of the vets, um, George Hill, Trevor Reza, and Al Horford. I think all of those guys are going to have trade value moving forward. Yes, even Al Horford. Um, similar wow. to the same way that they did with, um, with, with Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul was getting torched in his final year in, in Houston because his, his production dropped off a little bit and he was injury grown and, you know, his contract. Well, yeah. I mean, Al Horford didn't have the injury problems, but he was just in such a bad situation last year in Philadelphia. Like, I think, you know, coming in as a starting small or as a starting center on this team, he's not going to be forced into a power forward against another hulking center. Like, mm-hmm. I think Al Horford is going to be really good as a leader on this team. And yeah. he's going to, he, he, he makes a ton of sense for this roster fit wise as well. You know, he's, I mean, looking down the roster, it's, I mean, Mike Muscala can play some, some five, maybe. I don't think you run Darius Baisley there a whole lot. Like, they're, no, they're gonna what moments, on, probably. They're going to be relying on Al Horford pretty heavily, and I think he's going to get showcased a little bit. So, you know, I mean, I think Al is going to be kind of the next redemption story similar to Chris Paul, not to the extent of Chris Paul, but I think, you know, you just kind of look at the moves they made, and I think – they're in a position to, you know, again, to keep taking flyers on young guys, keep drafting a bunch of young guys, keep the best ones, and, you know, they have some another crop of veterans here who I think will have trade values. So the rebuild is, you know, completely underway now, and I think they're they're right on the right where they want to be as far as, you know, just in the asset collection mode and at the very beginning trying to assemble pieces. Yeah. They might be a league pass team, uh, the very, very, very back end, because I'm desperate. But just because they have some young pieces that you said, you know, are going to be intriguing to watch. And I see what you mean with the reclaiming value in these vets, and I agree. I mean, you're definitely probably not going to get as hefty a return of Chris Paul. Well, no, there's no definitely. You're not. Um, for Horford, but, like, there will be some value there as a leader. He is someone that, you're right, can inspire these guys, can show some playing time, having basically, you know, the big position all wrapped up at the five, at the four. I mean, he has is his choice on this team. Um, and, you know, you have a young development coach that can kind of grow along some of these guys. Definitely love to see that. And, yeah, ultimately we'll see them again come draft time. That's where they'll have heavily favored. Actually, you might hear more about them come um, trade deadline. You know, taking on additional contracts, maybe being yeah. a team to help move along um, some salary, pick up a pick or two because that's what OKC does. But wait for Sam Presti to kind of rebuild, go back down the well. I do agree with you. They definitely could have been a lot more aggressive in taking some chances. Uh, I don't know why I think of Magic Russell with Miss Frizzle. Take chances. Make mistakes. Uh, random, but it came to my brain. And that, that's Corbin for it you. Worked. At you know, nine, nine, like, exactly. Like, 
It worked. <laughs> we got a Magic School Bus reference on a two-hour pod <laughs> on the NBA Western Conference. We are we adjusting and we are doing it like no others up here. Um, wow, for real, two hours, six minutes. Let's let's go to Phoenix. Let's go to Phoenix here. Um, oh my goodness. Let's I'm go to Phoenix. Say, you know what? I'm going to toss this bad boy to you. All I'm going to say is that they were the direct beneficiaries of the OKC trade, uh, acquiring Abdul Nader and Chris Paul. Um, losing Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Jalen McHugh, Aaron Baines, Chuck Diallo. Uh, I'm going to leave one guy because we got to talk about him. Um, Elliot Kobo. And <laughs> who they signed included Jay Crowder, Langston Galloway, Damian Jones, Etwan Moore, uh, who's ultimately staying on the team. DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Javon Carter, Cameron Johnson, um, Cameron Payne, Dario Saric, and uh, a guy we're going to talk about. So let's, let's, let's give it to you. Uh, let's go, Justin. Take it away. Well, you know, for, forget some of the irrelevant moves that, that Phoenix made this season, this, this offseason. You know, forget Jay Crowder, forget Langston Galloway, forget Chris Paul. Frank the Tank Kaminsky <laughs> as of 23 oh minutes ago, as of 23 minutes ago, has been claimed off of waivers by the Phoenix Suns, Frank Kaminsky, back in Phoenix, after getting waived by Sacramento, the tank is back. That's what else can you say? Oh my God! He went to Sacramento for a cup of coffee, give a couple of weird looks and pictures, and then <laughs> come back in Phoenix. the The tank is reborn. Um, to do Dang. what exactly? Your guess is as good as mine. But like, yes, fan favorite to no one. Frank Kaminsky has returned. <laughs> Um, not quite the trumpet return of, let's say, an Aaron Baines, but I guess a reunion that Suns fans will live with. Um, wow, this is... They're going to have to live with it. He's here. I mean, he is here. You're right. This is great theater. I just have to say, like, this is hilarious. Um, I got a laugh that my throat didn't need because I'm just... (laughs) Like, it's wild. Is your throat as tired as mine is? Huh? As I say, is your throat as tired as mine is? Yo, for real, man. We've been going at this community four hours in less than we haven't had a full day break i mean we got close to a day but like i'm sure we talked just in our normal lives and we've been going two hours and change bro like our throats are goners bro <laughs> it's insane yeah. but here we go we got we got to brave it for these guys uh guys and guys a little bit more as we talk about the impact of frank no i'm just kidding we're not gonna waste any more time on, on useless jokes let's talk about the suns though because they um they uh, <laughs> um they were they, busy this offseason. They were busy this offseason. I think they made probably the most impactful moves on the Western Conference. In the Western Conference, I mean, um, vaulting themselves, in my opinion, as a, as a clear playoff team, a potential clear playoff team. I like the signings of Langston Galloway, uh, each one more, as well as veterans who can shoot, play tough defense. Um, Jay Crowder as well, of course, understated there. Someone who can slide and perfectly play the play the excuse me, play the four. I'm losing Kelly Oubre. In my opinion, hurt. Probably not as bad as, I mean, they realized what they did in the bubble and they decided, okay, he's expendable. In my mind, yes, but the bubble also had some selective rest. And, you know, it was a perfect storm. It was good. There's a lot to take away from it that's positive. But I don't think losing one of your guys like Kelly Oubre was that. With that being said, you have the chance to get Chris Paul. You do that. He's your first legit point guard since, what, Eric Bledsoe a couple years back, Goran Dragic before that, and then you're looking at Steve Nash. So that's over the last decade. All right. Um, the first real one that Devin Booker is going to be playing with in a while since, of course, I don't want to be here, uh, Bledsoe. Um, that's a thing. 
You got a lot of vets in the room now, someone who can actually get, hopefully light a fire under DeAndre Ayton. You still have Mikel Bridges, Javon Carter played well in the bubble, Cameron Johnson had a decent rookie year, Dario Saric again played well as a four off the bench, Cameron Payne. Uh, I like these moves all together. Hopefully you get a, a mostly healthy Chris Paul, you know, a full campaign if you get 45 to 50 games from him. Uh, we'll probably need a little more if you're Phoenix just to contend that. Well, uh, let's say 55 games from uh, Chris Paul. That'll be great. Um, a dominant DeAndre Ayton would be awesome as well. Aside from that, I think you just build that continuity that you that you brought on from having Monty Williams in to begin with, putting these in, in these habits that won the respect of the NBA during this bubble. Uh, that run did more for Phoenix reputation in that quick what two weeks than like the last four years have been for them. And so building mm-hmm. off of that by getting someone like Chris Paul, getting someone like Jay Crowder adds more respectability. They are more legit, and I think that uh. They'll show themselves. I mean, they got an opening night primetime game against the Mavericks now. Like, let's go. Can I live off one more Frank Kaminsky joke? Ah, let's get it. Name a better center rotation, a better backup center rotation than Damian Jones, Jalen Smith, and Frank Kaminsky in the NBA. Um, What a backcourt rotation. What a frontcourt, yeah. What a backup center rotation. It's Damian Jones, Jalen Smith, who they wasted the tenth overall pick on, and Frank Kaminsky. Like, it it gets no better than this. No, I mean honestly, if the Seventy Sixers had this front court instead of Joel Embiid, Al Horford, and Tobias Harris, I think they make Eastern Conference Finals easy last year. (laughs) 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 Like this is no all 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 jokes. I ruined a pretty good joke there. But, like, no, it, this is funny. I, I, I will say this. If you look at that top half of the team, um, I think you like it a lot better than getting Damian, uh, Damian Jones. I don't understand that. I, he wasn't in Atlanta. I didn't think he'd be in the NBA this year. And all of a sudden, yeah, he's on just, a two-year I thought that was with kind Phoenix. of a waste of a roster spot. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me. It definitely is. The signing of – the drafting of – um, Jalen Smith, 10th overall, when Devin Bissett was still available. Uh, he's someone that if you wanted to replicate something that Kelly Oubre had with some more upside, better shooting, you would have had that with Devin Vassell. Um, I think that was a wasted opportunity, especially to get someone like Jalen Smith, especially when you were going to bring back Frank the Tank and you were going to go and sign um, uh, <laughs> Jones. It, it makes even less sense to me now than it did back then. At the same time, uh, you know, I didn't like the Cameron Johnson signing, and, you know, they found a way to make that work. So, I'm going to reserve. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it, and we'll have to be. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, but let's go to Portland here. Uh, yeah, before our throws just burst, because I don't know about you, I, I'm getting it's getting hard to talk. Um, one more, one more Joe, quick note on, on on Phoenix, though. Real quick, I'm let's sorry. Hear. Yeah, um, no, I on. do like the. I do like a couple of signings that they did make. Um, I thought that the, the Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore signings were both quality. Um, that, that's two very solid rotational shooters that they got on minimums. And uh, I really like the Jay Crowder deal as well. I thought that was good. No, the Jay, yeah, the Jay Crowder one. That, that one is one I like especially. I think that you're you're adding so much more to that in terms of some new. It, he he's not going to shoot like he did in the bubble. Fine, but he's someone no, you know. Even thirty four percent isn't horrible. Defense is going to be great. That grit you get, someone who can play the three and the four. You know, give some roster balance to the Suns in that way. Um, fits perfectly in a starting lineup alongside Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. I like it. I, I think you're right. Like those moves are, are those moves are bright enough to outlast some of the dumber things that we've just witnessed uh, from Phoenix. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. All right, with that, uh, let's go to Portland, run through this. Uh, in a trade, they acquired two separate trades, uh, Robert Covington and Ennis Cantor. Uh, free agencies, at least, uh, they drafted uh, C.J. Ellaby, uh, 46 overall. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. and Harry Giles, or Harry Giles from Sacramento. Derek Jones Jr. from Miami, uh, who they lost. Trevor Ariza, Mario Zonia, Jalen Adams, Moses Brown, Wenyan Gabriel, Jalen Horde, Caleb Swanigan, and Hassan Whiteside. They're really going to miss that Whiteside guy. Okay. Who's staying? Carmelo Anthony, um, Zach Collins, Rodney Hood, Damian Lillard, Nasir Little, CJ McCollum, Yusef Nurkic, Anthony Simons, and Gary Trent Jr. A lot of people have praised the Trailblazers for their offseason moves. I tend to agree with them. I don't think if we're going to use a baseball analogy, which I will use, in a game in an offseason where you could have been like the Suns or the Lakers or you know other teams that hit home runs, I think the Blazers hit a whole lot of solid doubles. And I think that has led them to a mostly balanced offseason. Uh, maybe the retention of Rodney Hood aside. Yeah, I, especially, like, when the Rodney Hood signing first happened, I was like, whoa, like, what on earth are they doing here? Like, this guy's coming fresh off an Achilles. Exactly. I fully expect him to pick up his player option. I, you know, I didn't think that this deal was going to be out there for him. No. But, you know, you, you look at it, you know, it, it's $10 million this season, and then, it, it, you know, the, the second season of this is completely non-guaranteed. So it's it's not as bad as it may have looked at first. Um, maybe Rodney Hood comes back and is, is still, you know, what he once was, which if you get that back, again, you know, $10 might be a little bit much, but great. You know, like what, what, what you have here is, you know, a, another good, you know, two, three who can provide a little bit of shooting for you. So yeah, I, I, I don't hate the move now that, you know, we, we know a little bit more about it. Um, looking at some of their other additions, I, I really was a fan of their off season. Um, adding Derek Jones Jr. And Robert Covington, were two, you know, spectacular moves. This team was so desperate for wing defenders, and they went out and got wing defenders. Um, you know, Robert Covington for, you know, a, a late first, a mid to late first, um, was, you know, a very solid pickup by them. Um, he's going to be great there, just as, a, as you know, probably their starting small forward or power forward. We'll have to see exactly what their starting lineup is. But Derek Jones Jr. was another really, really solid one. Um, you know, two years, a little under 20 mil, um, just again, someone who, you know, is limited on offense, but that's okay. You know, if you look at some of the guys he's going to be playing with, uh, you know, Dame, CJ, Nurk, whoever else, Carmelo, like Gary Trent, there's plenty of, you know, shooting around him to where I don't think his lack of spacing is going to bog down the offense too much. So mm-hmm. again, like he, he fills a, a desperate need for this team, which is, it's perfect. Um, even bringing in Ennis Cantor, like, you know, Ennis is what he is at this point, which, you know, is someone who's probably unplayable in the playoffs. But he did have his best season, you know, in a long time in that short little stint with the Trailblazers last time. So if he can replicate some of that, you know, that's a, a, a huge pickup for them as well. But I think when you look at when you look at the Trailblazers this year, it's just going to be the fact that they're finally healthy. You know, you're going to get that Collins back, um, Rodney Hood back, Damian Lillard, you know, hopefully holds up, you know, he has so far. But, you know, C.J. McCollum dealt with injuries throughout the bubble. You know, you'll have him here. Yusuf Nurkic is hopefully fully recovered. So, you know, having having this team come in fully healthy, I think that they're going to be pretty good this year. I think it was Bobby Marks who had them at, like, second in the West. I think that's a little generous. But I yeah. think that they're going to finish, you know, middle middle of the playoff pack. Like, I you know, agree. Five, you know, maybe kind of 4-5 range. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I completely agree with that. I mean, they have the chance. I could even 
optimistic. I'm not as optimistic. But if someone said they would go as high as like the three, I I wouldn't be against it. Um, but yeah, they're a solid team, like you said. Health is on their side. That's super huge for a team like them. Um, Damian Lillard smacking his prime, playing well. CJ McCollum's been solid as well. So you have you ha- you had the blueprint here. You know, bringing uh, back Carmelo, having guys like Derrick Jones Jr. You broke it down really well. I'm gonna save my voice, so I'm not gonna go into it too much more than that. But I think that if you bank on internal development from some of the young guys, um, you know, you have a guy like um, Anthony Simons who has a lot to play for now. Uh, I mean, not Anthony Simons, uh, Zach Collins. Anthony Simons does as well, just because this is a clear role he's gonna have as a backup guard spot to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach Collins, you know, going going to restricted free agency next year, like you better show your worth, man. This is your time, so you have the opportunity there as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this team works together, um, uh, and, 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 you know, where, what their ceiling is. I think they're a very solid team with no, I mean, they have some weaknesses, but all in all, all their guys are competent players one through like 10 to 11. So really, really good job done by them. Um, yeah, Bobby Marks is a little high on them, but all, all, all in all, you know, it, it's probably a good year to, to actually be optimistic about a Blazers team. Yeah. All right. Shout out to Sac- Anderson Verizal who is still getting paid almost $2 million by the Blazers this year, by the way. I got to say, I love the fact that you still got these old school guys that I've been long put past until I fire up 2K12 that are still up, that are still up and, and getting their money. I, I expect to hear Andrew about Andrew Nicholson's uh, Josh... getting paid until 2024 by them. Oh, that's right. You're right. Wow. Wow. Fun times for him. Hey, he, at least he still has a chance to get back in the league. Highly doubtful, but it's possible. No, All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's true. All right. Sacramento Kings. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton drafted 12th, Robert Woodard 40th, uh, Jameis Ramsey 43rd, uh, who they signed in free agency. They had signed Frank Kaminsky, but we all know where he's gone now. Um, um, oh, I'm going to butcher this. From San Antonio, Chemezi Metu? Yeah. Oh, nailed it. Okay, look at that. I I never lost it. Glenn Robinson III, Hassan Whiteside, um, who they lost. Bogdan Bogdanovich, we talked about it so many times, I'm not going to bring it up again, but he's in Atlanta now. Kent Bazemore in Golden State. Corey Brewer is out. Yogi Ferrell also out. Harry Giles is in Portland. And Alex Len is in Toronto. Who stayed? Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, Nemanja Bielitsa, De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Guy, Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, Justin James, Daquan Jeffries, Corey Joseph, Jabari Parker. All in all, I see a very fighting, scrappy 12th team. 12th, 12th in the West. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I, I do like that they were able to uh, extend uh, De'Aaron Fox long-term. He is the future. I loved the signing of Tyrese Halliburton. I think those two yeah. can work very well together in the backcourt. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both of those moves as well. Um, you just kind of look at some of the guys that they lost. Um, I don't think there was much – well, they, there wasn't much that they could have done to get uh, Harry Giles back. Let's see, what did Giles get from from Portland? Okay, well, Harry Giles was on the minimum, so they could have – theoretically brought him back. But, you know, they, they declined his player option, or his team option, which I think was a mistake. Um, I think you know, Harry, Harry Giles wasn't the guy that we talked about a ton with Portland, but I think, mm-hmm. like, he has proven that, like, he is a fun player. Like, I think he's going to be fantastic in Portland. And I think it was a mistake by the Kings to let him go. Um, I think it was kind of a mistake. And I, I guess it's not the worst in the world because, you know, that would keeping Bogdan Bogdanovich would have made this team expensive. You know, and it's not yeah. like it would have made them that much better in comparison to the rest of the West. But, like, just losing a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich for this team for nothing is going to kind of hurt, even with the addition of Tyrese Halliburton, which I do think was a fantastic draft selection. 
But, you yeah, know, it's just like, love it. where, where is this team really going? Like, I, maybe you're high on Marvin Bagley. I'm not super high on him anymore. But, you know, you have Darren, Tyrese, Heald, Bagley, Holmes. Like, what? how, how far is that really going to get you, you know? Yeah, that's true. I'm not overly optimistic on it uh, either. I think you have guys that probably, if they can be sent out for someone, they need to be. Um, guys like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. Buddy yeah. Heald obviously has a lot more value than Harrison Barnes, even though both just don't fit the timeline. Between Tyrese and uh, De'Aaron, they're, they're just not on that level in terms of where to go. Whether or not you believe in Marvin Bagley moving forward, I think he's a very solid player. His one crime is he's not uh, Luka Doncic, and he's had some really bad injury luck. Um, so hopefully that can all come together uh, and he can at least prove himself to be at least some part of a building block around these guys because it's not set in stone right now. But Sacramento, I mean, they didn't have a horrible offseason. They could have had a horrible offseason. They did not do that. Uh, they didn't have a great one. It could one. have been worse. A- exactly. Could have been a lot worse. The sign wide side flyer, no big deal. Welcome back. You know, <laughs> shout out to those who played 2K, 11, 12, those teams. He was on them. Uh, yeah. So he's back where he started. That's fun, sort of. Um, but with that being said, yeah, I mean – it, it's solid that they didn't make any bad moves, but obviously they did not make any moves aside from keeping their franchise guy. Um, they didn't make anything that's going to vault them to the top of the West or even the upper echelon or even the playing game. Uh, but let's talk about the playing game. Let's talk about a team that can probably contend for it. Uh, speaking of that, uh, plugging a new show. I'm also doing uh, Span the Spurs. Spurs, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> new ep- first episode just dropped uh, today. Definitely make sure to check that out. Um, sure. But we're going to talk about the Spurs. Hoophead Podcast Network, of which Justin uh, Nolly is, is is a member of a long time with the Cavs Central Pod. Uh, just check out his stuff. Check check out that network. I mean, all of this NBA stuff is all good. Definitely make sure to look at that as well. But, shameless plug aside, talk about the Spurs. They drafted Devin Vassell 11th. They signed, They drafted uh, Trey Burks uh, 41st, like both those guys. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I said it. What did I say? Said Trey Burke. Oh my God! I did. You know what's funny? I'm reading Trey Jones. I did not mean to say Trey Burke. You, my brain is shutting down. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm going. What I say? Because I'm like, I see Trey Jones. I'm like, what, what? I said something wrong. Yes, I did. Trey Jones, uh, Tyus Jones' brother. Uh, Kade Bates Diop went to Denver on a two-way, or from Denver on a two-way. Uh, Cam Reynolds uh, on Exhibit Ten, uh, who they lost. Uh, not a whole lot, but they did lose uh, Marco Bellinelli. Uh, Bryn Forms and Chimezi Metu, uh, who we just talked about, uh, who stayed basically everybody else. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Drew Eubanks was extended, uh, Rudy Gay, Keldon Johnson, Trey Lyles, Patty Mills, DeJounte Mariaka Pirtle uh, got some more money. Luka Samanich, Lonnie Walker, Quindary Weatherspoon, Derek White just got an extension, and Tyler Zeller, curiously enough. This team, um, wow. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. They're the Spurs. That's all I got, right? I mean, you're going to talk about it on your podcast, you know, spanning the Spurs, I'm sure. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think of the Derek White extension? Oh, that's – I'm glad you brought that up because that is the next order of business. I like it. I think that for a guy who's very efficient, who's played really well, even while, you know, having a spot kind of, you know, all over the place in San Antonio, uh, he's gotten – um. An extension that fits where he's at. He's going to get paid through his prime. He's going to have more of his minutes there. I put on Twitter that I hope that this shakes out the backcourt rotation once and for all. Like, regardless, Derek White is a starter on that team. Um, whether it's alongside DeJounte Murray 
or not. I believe in that. I think that money is good value for a guy who played and has played really well for Sacramento. One of the few uh, consistent bright spots. You can look at guys like Wolani Walk. You can look at guys like um, DeJounte Murray, but they have not been as consistent as Derek White has been. And, I mean, aside from injuries, the guy's proven it. You know what I mean? Uh, last couple of years, shooting 30, 30-something percent from three. Uh, last year, 36 percent from three. Uh, you know, 11, four, and four. I think he can improve on that end. You do wonder, okay, he is 26. Uh, how does that, you know, as far as how much better he gets? But I think we saw even in the playoffs a couple years back that the guy, I mean, I'm a believer in him. I'm a believer. I think four years, 73 for what he is. I think that, you know, they, they, they have their lead guard long term. And I think it's for a price that honestly is a bargain. You think that's a bargain, really? I do. I think the dude averaged 18 points on 39% shooting in the bubble. I mean, the dude is going to hit his stride. He was 85th percentile on efficiency. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's going to be. I, I really do. I mean, uh, uh, the Spurs aren't – they're going to have what? Uh, I saw this in a Bobby Marks tweet. I'm just trying to make sure I have it right. But even with this money they have, they're going to have probably still $50 million in room even after this extension. So for a guy who they have that played well, that's really stood out – for San Antonio, yeah, you, you keep that guy. Like, that's starter money. And I think it's, I it's considering who you could be giving it to, like, pretty decent. I, I think it's a little bit generous. Um, I, I think he would have been – if we're going to talk about, like, what would have been, like, a, a good deal for him, I think if it was more in, like, the $15 million range is I what would have been, like – you know, like, yeah, like, that's solid. But, like – yeah, I, I, I think San Antonio love. He got some San Antonio love. I'll give you that. Yeah, he did. I, I think it was a little bit higher than what I would have preferred, but at the same time, you know, I mean, this he, he's an important guy for this team moving forward, so it's not the worst deal in the world. Um, like they, they didn't really make a whole lot of other additions this year. Um, Cam Reynolds was one of the guys they signed to camp. He got waived. Tyler Zeller yeah. got waived. Um, Thank goodness. I, I like Devin Bell a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tyler Zeller, good lord, but <laughs> but um, Devin Vassell, I thought was a really good draft pick. Um, yes. You know, someone who you know had a lot of talk about maybe going in the top ten didn't end up happening, but you know the Spurs scooped him up. Um, you know, just a, a high quality wing is going to be there for you know a while. It's just another one of those kind of good Spurs guys. Um, Trey Jones is another. You know, I think that guy can be a good backup point guard in the league. Um, doesn't play exactly like his brother, but is kind of similar, you know, in certain ways. So we'll see how that pans out with him. I think, you know, I, I, I like Trey. Um, and I, I really like the Yaka Pirtle signing for them as well, the re-signing of Yaka Pirtle. Mm-hmm. Um, getting him for under $10 million a year, I think, is a win. Um, you know, hopefully they can get LaMarcus Aldridge out of there at some point and, you know, just give that starting, you know, center job to him full-time. Because I really like him as a rim protector. I think he has a, some nice touch around the rim. Um, you know, not a good shooter, not a good free throw shooter. But overall, I thought that was a really good deal for just a rock solid guy there. And um, I, I, I like Kade Bates Diop too. Their two way guy like hasn't yeah, really gotten a whole yeah. opportunity in the league yet. You know, didn't really get any opportunity with Minnesota. the Nuggets. But We're, yeah, barely Minnesota. He was with the, the Nuggets. That's a the last. Yeah, yeah, he got nothing with the Nuggets. He got a little <laughs> bit of running Minnesota. But, um, you know, he's on a two-way here. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, if he if, if he gets an opportunity here, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, I, I like that pickup for him. For sure. For sure. All in all, solid, solid moves 
were made. So no, that that that's all. That, I mean, I, I look at them and I I don't know. I, I like the, the I mean, they, these guys that in, in in Eubanks and Pirtle like traditional big men. If I ever saw straight out of nineteen ninety nine, but like they're good players. You know, they have some value. I, I actually talked about this on the first episode of Spam the Spurs, but my three questions about the Spurs, uh, we can knock out one, which is about the preseason, uh, but was also, you know, what are they going to do with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, you know, and to a lesser extent, Rudy Gay, all three of those guys are in the final year of their contract, um, and they're in a stage where they're still productive players, but they're no longer productive players that are able to drag a team to a playoff spot. You know I mean? They're not, they're not high-level yeah. impact players of that caliber anymore. So yeah. what to do about them, and what young guys will stand out of this group? Um, and I guess the third question, which I'll propose to you, is this a group that you think will reasonably fight for a playoff spot, or will they be just a little bit below? I think they'll be just a little bit below. Um, I think they're in the mix for a play-in seed, but if I had to write out a list of the guys who I think will make it right now, they probably are one of the guys that get left out. They're one of the teams that get left out. More than fair enough. I think they will be in the mix. I think they will be in the mix. Definitely understand that. No, it makes a lot of sense. I'm with you on that, for sure. I- I'm hoping uh, that they will be uh, more tighter in the mix than not, just because I think these moves, while some of it is with development in mind, you still have a long job of guys who can still play at a certain level. Um, and just for name, value, sake, whatever the case may be, aren't probably going to come off the bench. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. But we have done it, Justin. We have one more team left um- in this four-hour extravaganza that we've done over the last two nights. Uh, I'm going to turn this entire team over to you, let you tackle it, and, and me pipe in with some takes. But break down uh, what Utah has done uh, this offseason, because uh, your boy does not like. You don't like? No. Well, first of all, I'll just get into um, – it's getting on five hours now. I think that first episode ended up being, what, two hours, 20 minutes? Oh, you're right. And now soon, this so. one is – <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. We're about to go a full five hours of Yo. you know podcasting within two days. So this is dude, this is crazy. It's a marathon. <laughs> We're out here, man. <laughs> Lord, for real though, for real. Shout out to that. <laughs> but um, yeah. So there's some interesting moves here. Um, we'll start with their draft. Um, they picked up Udoka as a bouquet. Um. Wasn't a big fan of that. Um, he's just kind of a traditional, you know, bruising big who has no real skill um, mm-hmm. other than the fact that he's just big and strong. I I don't really see the value of drafting someone like that in the first round. Um, I feel like you can just go out and sign that. Like, just go get Dwayne Dedman if that's what you want. But um, <laughs> so it's it's whatever, I guess. I'm It's a late first pick. You know, if he becomes a player, then I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. But um, I, I think well, I, I like the Derek Favors bringing back him back. I think you know that's someone who has a little bit more value as a center. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, why didn't they go get a wing? Why did they use their full mid level on Derek Favors? Like, who? What wing were they going to get with their full mid level that was better? Yeah, you, you know, tell like me. Derek Favors was the best player that they could have gotten. They get a reunion. You know, I think that that was a fine move. What were you gonna say? No, I said you tell me. You're right. I, I don't. I don't see it either. Yeah, um, I, I like them bringing in Shaquille Harrison. Like that's kind of an underrated move, I think, by them. Um, it was kind of surprising that you know, like we said last podcast, that you know Harrison didn't get a qualifying offer from the Bulls. I thought that he should have. So um, good for the for the Jazz and scooping him up. And then here's where I assume that you don't like their offseason much is you know some of the extensions. 
They did hand out some money this offseason. They handed out a nice big extension to Jordan Clarkson, who is making, what is it, like four years? 52 or something? 52, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, I think they had to do it. That's the thing. Like, I think this team had to give him that money because, you know, who was going to, you know, if not Jordan, then who? Again, like, this is a team that is really trying to win right now. And they I don't think that they could afford to lose Jordan Clarkson, especially with how good he was for them in the playoffs. Like, I think they need that guy. True. Um, I don't think that they could afford to lose Rudy Gobert, which we can get into now. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Oh, my goodness. Like, that was, yeah. Okay, I understand not liking the contract, but again, what could they have done better? Like, how how else could this team have, like, this this team has a shot to compete right now. They don't yeah. have a shot to compete without Rudy Gobert. And you can say, oh, we'll trade him. Trade him for what? Like, what trade were you going to do to where you get equal value of Rudy Gobert and have just as good of a chance to compete moving forward? Like, you had to do this. The team is yeah, still a team that has an outside shot at making the finals, and then it is an outside shot. But like, you're 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 you know a team in the West, and you're a small market like Utah. Like you got these guys, you have to keep them, and you have to try. You got to try. You know, maybe you know the Portland Trailblazers a couple of years back made it to the conference finals. Nobody was guessing that the conference finals would be one of the conference finals teams would be the Trailblazers. No, but you get that far especially in a year where you don't have a Warriors team, like anything can happen here and you have to be in position to get lucky. Like, yes, luck has to be involved, but you have to put yourself in positions to be lucky. And that's, you know, if you just trade him away for, you know, lesser value, you're not going to put yourself in those positions. So yes, $40 million is a lot of money for Rudy Gobert. Yes. He's going to be making that much money well into his thirties. And that is going to be a big but it's something they had to do right now because they still have some sort of window here and you have to try. I think, you know, it, it's, it's a rough move and it's not an easy decision, but it's a necessary one. I get where you're coming from. I, I guess I have no choice but to agree on that. I mean, for me, you're right. I, I, I thought in terms of the necessity now that you had to do it. Um, the problem is like, did you have to do it? For, I guess you had to do it for that long. I guess you were at his, at his mercy. I just feel like, I, maybe my idea of their window isn't as high as what they think their window is. There you go. I don't I, – I mean, I, I see them maybe being a Portland Western Conference finals team. I do not see them having a, a, a finals chance at all. Um, and, and by the time, you know, that window passes, you gave so much money to Gobert, then he's going to age. I don't know if he's going to be as effective. Um, well, he's not. Um, and that's going to be an albatross of a contract that if you can't get value for him now, I, I don't know what you hope to get value for in the future outside of another honors contract. Um, you know what I mean? So that those are my issues with that or giving up a boatload of picks in order to get rid of him. Um, so I guess that's where I have uh, an issue. But I, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yikes, you, you, I, I wish there was another way. Let's just say it. Like, I wish there was another avenue. I'm not personally too high on go bear. Everyone talks about his screen assist and, you know, the value brings an offensive end, this, that, and the other. Uh, defensively, obviously, defensive player of the year multiple times. Like the, 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 dude is, the dude is every bit worth his money in that way. But for someone in his late 20s, I don't know. Not someone I think is a foundational piece in that vein. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I mean people have the right to like and not like it. I'm not a big fan of, it, but I understand what you're saying, which is that they absolutely had to do it, and so they have. And I mean, here it is. I just don't know if I, 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 
I'm just not a fan. You know what I mean? I don't think that they had yeah. a window to go for. If you have, even if you believe you have an iota of a chance and you have to take it, Rudy Gobert is way better than not having Rudy Gobert uh, in order to have that chance. I, I just, I strongly disagree. You know what I mean? And, and if you're going to bring more size, you got killed by the Lakers in every match you played last year. You bring in Derek Favors. He will help some, but do you really think that's enough? Um, you're putting a lot on guys like Jordan Clarkson who are definitely one-sided. Helped you in the playoffs for sure. But you didn't bring anyone to supplant that. You're going to put a lot of playmaking responsibility still on Donovan Mitchell. Hope that you still have um, a strong bounce back year from a um, Mike Conley. You know, and that's what you're really looking at. And I, I don't know. I mean, defensively, you bring in a guy, um, you know, like a Shaquille Harrison. But that's a lot of pressure still put on uh, Donovan Mitchell. A lot of pressure on the offensive yeah. to put on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, yeah, Bojan Bogdanovic returns. That's great. And that's something that you have to take into account as well. But even with that, I, I don't like that. And I think there's a hard ceiling there. And with that being said, I mean, yeah, I think you make a tough call. If you don't think you can make it with Gobert with that amount of money, maybe you swallow and say, no, I can't do that. And mind you, I'm not a Utah fan or a Gobert fan. So I can't, you know, I can't even begin to to state his impact on this team, to say his impact since he's been on the franchise, all the intangibles that go into making these types of decisions. But I feel there's any other opportunity that, you know, hey, we reevaluate an offseason, we just don't know. That would be my thought process. Yeah, and that's fair. But I, like I said, I think just to even have an outside chance, if you're a team like this, like, you, you just have to go for it while you still can. You know, you, you still have Donovan Mitchell. He still seems happy to be here. You have to maximize the time left that you have with Donovan Mitchell, because at this point, you know, I mean, if they don't have success the next couple of years, and Rudy Gobert takes a drop and he's making forty million dollars, one thing that I didn't like about the Utah Jazz's offseason was on this extension for Donovan Mitchell, they gave him a player option at the end. That gives them the option to get out of here one year earlier. Very Kevin Love. I don't think was something that they had to do. Like obviously, that was something that Donovan Mitchell wanted. But I would not have caved him and given him this player option. I think that that was a mistake, and it might come back to haunt him in the end because, again, he that's going to put the pressure on the organization a lot earlier with you know talk of Donovan Mitchell wanting out if things go south with the Rudy Gobert thing, you know if they aren't able to make any other additions that you know are significant enough to improve this team's ceiling. So, you know, I, I feel like this team is definitely going all in on the next two three years, but um, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think this team could finish anywhere from like three to seven in the West this year. And again, I think they have uh, at least a puncher's chance at you know making a deep playoff run. But we're, again, we're just gonna have to see. They could also just as easily be a first round exit. Yeah, you said it. I mean, that's the best, and 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 I, I, that's what you're signing yourself up for right now. So I guess that's what my ultimate conclusion is like. For that type of long-term money, you have a lot of variance. But you said it. It's one of those things we have to wait and see. Wow. Justin, we uh, we, we made did this it. thing, man. We did this thing, man. We we had our moments, uh, put some words, forgot some stuff. Two hours and 40-plus minutes in, we closed this one out. We did the Eastern Conference. This is – first off, I have to thank you, thank you, and thank you again for being my wingman for this type of stuff, man. Uh, we've had some long shows. You've done a bunch of team previews with me. It's only fitting that you do the entire Eastern and Western Conference uh, summation with me on this one. <laughs> I really do appreciate you. You know I'm going to have to have you back on, like, real soon. Like, real, real soon. Maybe give you a couple of days to catch your breath and, and do some other stuff, but but real soon, bro. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank appreciate you, you having me on. You know, like, I, I, I this, this type of stuff is so much fun. I mean, like, 
it's not that often that you get to just talk for five hours about basketball. So seriously, yeah. Oh man, I us hoop that. junkies, we appreciate that. You know, and it's it's, it's yeah. hard to find someone that's willing even down to do it. Like, all right, cool, let, let's just do it. You know? Yeah, I love it. We that's went awesome, man. Again, yesterday you were saying you know maybe go forty five minutes to an hour. We only went <laughs> two hours over that projection. So oh yeah, <laughs> did, did a good job on the time limits here. I think you we, know we, we definitely did a good job there. You're right. We did some nice conservative estimates, and we may have overachieved just a little bit, but nothing nothing to be ashamed of, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. This was a blast. Thank you, man. Uh, guys, you know where to follow this dude. If you don't, I'll tell you, at JustinMatch26. Uh, as much as he's on my show, he has his own show, too, uh, at Cavs Central Pod. And if you think you get this deep dive analysis on the whole NBA from this guy, imagine when you only get him on one team. Just, just, just. Yeah. All right, now you thought about it, check it out. Uh, at, <laughs> at Cav Central Pod, part of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, another group I'm happy to also be working with. So definitely look at that. Well, you can find me at Corbin NBA on Twitter. Uh, y'all know what it is over there. You can follow Hoopball and the fine folks of Hoopball at Hoopball Tweets on Twitter. Uh, online hoop-ball.com got a lot of great stuff over there uh, got the hoop ball 360 package fancy basketball has been started y'all i had another league this afternoon um that i'm a part of that i was drafting in check it out i have access to this content y'all get access to it it is amazing it makes for fine reading just in general if you want to get general nba analysis but also uh in terms of fantasy perspective i mean you don't it doesn't get much better than that so definitely make sure to do that all right we are all out of words Thank you. Last but not least, thank you. Spanning the Spurs. A deep dive on the San Antonio Spurs that I'm happy to host. Definitely check that out. I'm all about it. A show, I got to get my breath in and my throat right first. But we got to break down the Derek White um, extension. And then we got to talk about the opening night for the San Antonio Spurs. Probably doing the same show. Don't really know yet. We're going to get down to it. But it's definitely make sure to check that out wherever you find podcasts as well. Whew. With that being said, y'all, my man Justin, he's frosty. You know I stay frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And we will talk tomorrow. (laughs) NBA season starts tonight, y'all. Let's go. (laughs) All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.